powered from the Perdomo Square Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 97 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk about some of the best last tracks found on records. And, as always, the Primetime Jukebox is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12 Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Lime, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And of course, we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRE Tobacco, Julio and Husso brought their very own brand to market, and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. The Aladino line is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Candela. And each represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And of course, we want to mention Tobacolera USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacolera USA, great things are happening here. And finally, by Drew Estate, dark, bold, and unapologetic, Blackened Cigars MED1 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Blackened Cigars MED1 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather chocolate and espresso that's perfect for both light celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows, as well as the California studios for the Thursday Primetime show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 97. This is a mid-May 2023 edition 
Will Cooper, I am here in the Podoma Squad Studios on the Black Stage, and I'm joined in the night by Mr. Dave Burke down in Australia, my good friend and colleague. Hello, Coop. How are you? I am doing good. So don't adjust your sets, everybody. <laughs> this is the 97th episode, and Dave and I have had a, a pretty much a pretty good routine. We sometimes have to switch up the schedule, but most of the time it's yeah. been a morning record for Dave and an early evening record for me. Um, it's a little flip where it's a late evening record for Dave and a early morning record mm. for me. But we do what we have to do here to bring you this show. So <laughs> That's right. It's 10 o'clock here. It brings me back, Coop, to... Um, my wife and I used to do a community radio show like three, 15 years ago in Australia. And our slot was like 11 to 1. Oh, wow. In the Monday nights. So we'd drive out to the station, and the show was called Round Midnight was the name of the show. And we'd right. go 11 to 11 to 1. And then oh. get back home at like one thirty or something, and then go to work the next day and whatever. Oh wow, that's that's we amazing. We did that I'm... for like two years or so. Yeah. Wow. So it brings me back to the uh, DJ days. Sure. No, I mean that's crazy. I mean, I've done two podcasts when I was in Europe. One from mm. Stockholm oh, and one man. from England. I the Stockholm one was the night I had Garofalo and Saka on. And I didn't know I was going oh. to Stockholm the week before, actually. That's how it was a fast trip. And I did that show. I believe I went on the air at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went on at 4 a.m. and watched the sunrise. And with the, um, I think the same thing, I think it was actually 3 a.m. when I did the one from England. Oh, yeah, I used to do that. In the old jukebox days, they used to interview everybody at four yeah. in the morning Australia time. Yeah, um, it, it's an interest. Yeah. It's very. It's an interesting dynamic. I'll just say that. <laughs> like it was normal. To, it was and like I said, you're doing it at a weird time, and it's a normal time for your guests. But you're like, yeah. I mean, I, I'll never forget. I'm watching the sunrise in Stockholm as Saka and Garofalo were on that night. It was. <laughs> it was an amazing, and I had this beautiful view of downtown Stockholm. So it was a. It was a sight to behold, actually. The uh the England show was a little different because I actually almost didn't there was a power outage that day. Oh jeez. And I didn't know if I was even gonna be able to do the show. So I think Tuna had already uh Aaron had got Tuna to kind of pinch hit in case I couldn't make oh, it. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, we had and we had Alec and Bradley Rubin on that night. Oh yeah. For the first time, yeah. Wow. But the power oh, got so... restored. Yes, the power got restored. Oh, that's good. Yep. So yeah, it's a total, uh, total shift here. You don't need to worry about the birds. Well, maybe bats, no bat. There's no bat. I was gonna say you have bat things. So yeah, um, we really have bats around here. To be honest, no. I mean, That's... they're very. I mean, they're so nocturnal that if you're out there, they're not, and you have some light on, they ain't gonna come. You aren't gonna see. They are big. It's like a flying cat. Some of them they're are really huge. big. So they can get big. Yes. We have the big fruit bats. They're called flying foxes. They're like I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're most of the ones we have around here are small. <laughs> they're terrifying. Yeah, I mean um, they, they like getting yeah. into little crevices and stuff in houses. If no. you have, yeah, that's what you gotta watch. Like, 
you got to watch like vents and stuff like that. They go into that. You have to make sure those things are, you know, mm. you know, you know, you have kind of some heat, you know, something to block them from getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of bats, I don't know. We're doing last tracks today. Coop. We're doing last tracks today. Yes. We've done first track, so we thought, oh, let's just do a let's do a last track. Last track, yeah. Now, now I'm like, I've actually been inspired. I don't know if I want to do second tracks and penultimate tracks because I was starting to think I about got, that. To... I got inspired by uh, title tracks. I was looking at a couple of these records. I'm like, ooh, title tracks would be good. Like some of the best title tracks. Yeah, and where the title track lies is very interesting. Um, you know, because some where an artist chooses to put the title track. And is it worthy of being the title track is the second question. You know, mm. sometimes, you know, and sometimes there isn't a title track. It's a it's a lyric or even just something completely unrelated. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have a you have a title track, my friend. Um, I have a couple. Do I I have at least one? Yeah, at I have one. I have one. Um, and uh, it probably it, it, someone had to do it. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. I Someone I had to do it. One. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, but, since since I th- I'm I think actually we, we're gonna do tonight. We're supposed to pick ten last tracks, but I think we both cheated and have eleven. Well, cause some, and we'll get to that. But like <laughs> yeah, some of yeah. them, they bleed in, and you can't really. Yeah, mine's a weird scenario because it's actually two two final tracks. <laughs> I went, uh, yeah, yeah, and they do that. Yeah, and that'll, that's an interesting point. Yeah, but, um, and we'll get to that. But well, let's just get in the show. We're we're doing the show too early. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll be getting into last track yet a little bit. But yeah, yeah we got, yep. Uh, cause there's a lot of there's a lot of music news. Yes. Uh, um, some of it on cigarjukebox.com. You can email me, and will email the show, uh, at cigarjukebox at gmail dot com. Yep. With uh, anything, um, any artists you want us to do, anything you want us to do. Yeah, I mean, we were actually looking at doing some artist profile type shows too. So, folks have some ideas. I have gotten one already. So, oh, hey, yeah, I have gotten Love one. Yes, yeah, so Love the listener uh, feedback. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, definitely, we will put put it into. The, we have some other shows in the queue. We had, I know we haven't gotten to yet, but we will. Uh, we we uh, keep oh, thinking of new shows. Yes, exactly. That's, <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, another death. In the music world, we did uh, Harry Belafonte last time. Yes. This time, it's a Canadian singer-songwriter, iconic Gordon Lightfoot, which I'm sure if people don't know his music, which most people probably do, they've heard of they've heard of it. Um, iconic singer-songwriter, kind of his most famous tracks are out of the 70s. Uh, Sundown, his 1974 record, is probably his best-known record. Yes. Um. No, just and he was performing like recently, so, like uh, all, it, all the way up until his death. Yeah, yeah, he was he was actually performing and had to go off the tour because his health started going downhill. Yeah, so and, so still out there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying. He was, I believe, he was in his 80s, right? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty. If he wasn't, he was pretty close. Yeah, it was um like I said he uh you know and obviously uh I heard from the surgeon a bit he was 84. Yeah. And he was still touring uh, at 84. Yes, he was. Yeah. But you um, know obviously the surgeon this was big news up in Canada that he was Oh, a, would be, yeah. This is a big Canadian this was a big Canadian star up in Canada. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, kind of his most famous songs. We were talking about title track, and one of them is a title track. That's Sundown. Yep. Which that song is incredible. Yeah. If you haven't, if you're like Sundown, you you put it on and you'll recognize it immediately. Bum, bum, bum. Yep. Um, do do. Oh, I was listening. Yeah, I was yeah. listening to it just before. Yeah, um, it's a great. It's a great track. And the other one that most people probably know is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yes. Most people would have would know that even by title, I think. Um, but definitely when you hear it. I mean, I think those are the two most popular, uh, those two tracks. Yeah. I would say those are the two. Yeah. I mean, I would say they're the most popular ones. And he had a like, – there was a point, I want to say from – Let's say like he had about a six year window where he was pretty mm. popular from like yeah. 70 to 76. But yeah. he was. Yes, he was a very successful vocalist and performer, but he was much more known as a as a songwriter in the industry. Yes. Yes, yeah. he did write, write yeah. a lot as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, celebrate Gordon Lightfoot. Have a listen to those tracks. You won't be disappointed. No, um, that, especially the, Sundown. Sundown's a great track. Sundown, yeah, Carefree Highway is another really good track he's got. Yeah, yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, uh, you know, I know. Like I said, I saw, I saw there were comments. Bob Dylan really spoke yeah, very highly Bob of Dylan him. Loved him yeah. Bob Dylan yeah. called him, yeah, like one of the best songwriters out there. So uh, this was, you know, guy. Like I said, when he's when these artists getting, you know, we we take these artists, like I've said, you think they're gonna be around forever. And then you look back and Gordon Lightfoot's 84 already, you know, and, mm. and I remember it was his thirties. I mean, so I'm getting older, you know? Well, he, um, I mean, he sort of came up in that kind of pinnacle of singer songwriter and folk and even Canadians. Cause you had him, you had Neil Young, you had Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, like it was Bob Dylan, John Prine. Like that yeah. was, you know, I mean, that There's folk, just that like kind of the, folk rock, the golden um, age of yeah, that. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's he's true. part of that man. He was. He was definitely part of that. And there was some very prolific songwriting that came mm. out of that era. Yes. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, Gordon Lightfoot. So, so check check his songs out. Celebrate Gordon Lightfoot. Dave, he um, had a recent album, didn't he? Oh yeah, he had an album. Recently. Yeah, solo, twenty twenty. So oh, it was okay. his album. So yeah, he did an album as recently as three years ago too. Hmm. Yeah. Battle of the bands, Coop. Oh yeah. So uh, battle of the it, bands. It is over. It is over. Uh, and I'll put it up here. But I think everyone probably saw. Prince has claimed the title, and Hector wins for the second year in a row. Um. um yeah. Yeah. Prince, it wasn't, though, as, wasn't as easy for him as Nirvana. Like, Prince didn't no. have as easy a so, as Nirvana had, yes. Nirvana, if you remember, Hector had the number one pick, and he picked Nirvana, and everybody's like, okay, well, this thing's over. And it pretty much was. Well, yeah, he had number two, right? Because Surgeon picked Thriller. Oh, yeah, he had number two here. He had number one with Nirvana, I mean. Right, right, right. He had number one with Nirvana. He picked but that yeah. one one. This one he picked two. because John handed this one to him, yeah. And we and we and everybody looked at each other and we're like, what? And then yeah. uh he picked Purple Rain. I'm like, oh no. So um I have to say Purple Rain didn't have it all its own way. I mean, it had quite a fight with Appetite 
um, you, quite a battle a- there. Appetite closed it, and then Prince kind of got some late votes and went ahead. So it was like 58-8 to 41-2, but it was close, like, in the well, final that, hours. Well, that's like this one. I mean, Metallica pulled ahead for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, late rush at the end. This was a and, weird uh, one because Prince, made it. I think by the, f- the end of the first 24 hours, it looked like it was over. Prince was going to win yeah. this thing. Then Metallica went on this slow, steady run. Yes. Then people and then, were like, hey, wait a minute. And then, yeah, and, and pulled ahead by one vote. And then the last few hours, the last six hours, Prince had this Prince final surge and won by nine votes. But, yeah. I mean, this was looking like we were going to have a major upset here. Yes. But, and I think the reason for that is that it's a finals that's a big point of difference. Um, so you had a good competition there. Whereas, like, you look at you, Black and Black, which I thought would have done better right. against Master of Puppets. You still look at both rock, both metal. So maybe you're having the same. You're kind of pulling from the same group of voters, possibly. Yes. Um, whereas Purple Rain, Master of Puppets, or and Purple Rain, Appetite, like you're probably you're having different. Different. I mean, look at Purple. I mean, even against um, Beastie Boys, like it wasn't. It wasn't a landslide, was it? No, that was another. Beastie Boys closed it up, closed that gap towards the end. Just hard working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. The the interesting thing, Dave, and I was telling Hector this is like Drew State, they're they're changing some of their marketing team right now. Mm. So they don't have a lot of their regular marketing, but they're putting new people in place right now. Had some of those other people been in place, I do believe Hector would have lost to Metallica. I think oh, yeah. Drew State would have gotten behind it because these folks follow us pretty close who were working there, oh, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. and Hector admitted it. He was he said that's a fair thing. Uh, I think everyone promoted. We all tried to keep it neutral to some extent. We no one pandered any votes. I mean, you no. may say, "Hey, I wanted this person to win," but but there was no pandering. Like, like no, 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 like. No one said, "Hey, you got to vote for me or anything." Like, please, you know. No. So I thought it was very handled well. We had the, so the positive. What I told everyone is the, the voting was up. Um, yes. And we have some prizes. We're, I'll have the prizes announced at the end of this week. I had to go through it, but but the number of contest entries was down from last year. Mm. Mm. So less people part. So we have to look at that and see. Maybe we, we may have to adjust something. You and I talked a bit already online about what we may need to do. But we'll make some adjustments on that. But we want people, you know, part of it is we do it on Twitter. I don't know if that's the best platform anymore. So um, maybe, but I don't, I haven't been able to find a better one either. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, but the increased votes is great. The increased votes is what, yeah, the increased votes are more meaningful. But I'd love to see, but I think a lot of people probably left prizes on the table. There were, there were some people who didn't have valid prize retweets. Oh, uh, and yeah, so there was, that was another thing. Like, and I mentioned this video. I said, you cannot reply. You have to retweet. So because I have no way of, it's it's very otherwise it's too difficult. So some people I saw were doing replies and it's like I can't make an exception. So no. you had to do it at the rule set there. Um, But we we will have three winners with that. And uh, we'll we'll close out and then we'll have to figure out what we're going to do next year. So, yeah. I've been thinking. We, I mean, anyway, we got some ideas. Yeah, we'll that. But this, uh, but so, and I think in the end, the right, 
record one. I mean, that was my album of the decade. So I think the right it's, one. It's one a lot one. of people's album of the decade. Like it's pretty. Like I think even in the top five hundred, it's like top fifteen album ever. So, so the right. I mean, I mean the the, the chalk won out. Now yeah. we've done an album archaeology on that exact record. Yeah. So I think we might. Do a artist deep dive. Artist deep dive. We were talking, yeah. Like start that, and that could be a great one to start the series off with. That we've because kind of done some artist different... deep dives already, like, and we haven't really, yeah. like, we did the Madonna one was a good example. Oh, Taylor Swift. We did Taylor Swift. So I mean, so it would be along those lines, and I and I yeah. think it would be good to get like Hector and John back on, yeah, uh, to recap the tournament because we really didn't have that final four show this year. So no, I'm sure they're going to want to you know, have some good feedback because Surgeon Metallica made this whole tournament this year really interesting. I mean, no, it did. It, it did. did. Uh, you know, that was one of the last picks he had. It knocks off the two biggest selling albums of all time and Thriller and Back in Black yep. and comes very close to Purple Rain. It, very it really, close. So, yeah, it was a very good run. So uh, I'm excited to hear from him on that. Uh, Hall of Fame. You put this in here because I forgot about the induction. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it was. <laughs> uh, yes. So we have um, we have the induction ceremonies. Uh, the induction. We have the inductions. Uh, I will read off who got in. I'll give you a. I'll give you a yay or nay. Okay. Uh, Kate Bush. Yay. Well, that you know that already though. Cheryl Crow. Yeah, I mean, you kind of uh, talked me around on that one. Yep, Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott. I know you're happy on that one. Yeah, I'm happy on that one. I mean, borderline maybe, but yeah. I think what was he? I a little yeah. yeah, maybe a little earlier, but I'll, I'm okay with it. George Michael. Well, yes, that's a no brainer. Yes, yeah, that was yeah. that was yeah. Willie so Nelson, far, so good. Willie yeah, Nelson. Well, you knew that was gonna. Yeah, yeah. you know, no brainer. Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, I don't know what is going on there. I don't know. Yeah. The spinner. I, I, yeah, I mean, I can't really. I, I thought, I thought they, they would get in because they, they like doing that. Yeah. But, you know. So sure. I won't read through all the, the other awards, but I'll just kind of yeah. name three more. Uh, these were selected by the hall, not the voters. Chaka yes. Khan gets in on a musical excellence award. I saw that. Well-deserved. If I was starting a band and I had to pick a female vocalist, she would yeah. be a first-round draft pick for me. First round? She's got some voice. I'm going pure vocals on this. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. And then Bernie Taupin gets in. He's yes. Elton John's longtime songwriting partner. All that. It will be interesting to see if Elton John inducts him. I mean, that's, I think, I, I can't see anyone else inducting him. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. And then the Ahmed... Erdogan Award, which goes to someone who's a non-performer, and this guy, I, this guy's a legend. This, this guy was a legend in my yes. book, Don Cornelius. Yes, Bradley I was Chicken. okay. I read this and I was shocked that he wasn't already in it in the Hall of Fame. He's long overdue. Yeah. He, I was surprised. I mean, he's had him. more impact on on music than some bands have. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean. uh Soul Train was a st like, oh. we I think we talked about this like Soul Train was on against Hee Haw a lot right mm. so you were either mm. a Hee Haw guy or a Soul Train guy oh Soul or Train or Bandstand guy, guy. Yeah. they were all on at the same time Bandstand was the Bandstand. third one with yeah. 
But yeah, Soul love, love Train had the Soul Train, Soul Train had the line dance, and it, it couldn't. Be, but yeah, sad. And Don Cornelius was just so cool, man. He's so cool. He killed himself too. I mean, it's sad. Oh. he was. Yeah, I was shocked that he wasn't already in there. To be honest, I was shocked I too. He, he was long overdue. Yeah, he absolutely should be in. I'm glad he's getting in. Now there were uh, some people nominated, Dave, that didn't get in. <laughs> yes. Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, I mean. I think I mean I maybe it's just in time I don't know. Iron Maiden. Yeah, that's a bit surprising. I mean, I'm not a huge Iron Maiden guy, but it's a bit surprising because didn't they do well in the fan vote? Yeah, we'll talk about that. They finished fourth in the fan vote. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they're gonna have to go to Judas Priest who got in on a. Paul selection, not a voter. Mm. So, you know, that's how Judas Priest got in. They didn't get in mm. the other way. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Joy Division New Order um, thing. Well, that's not- just, I mean, I think, I think Joy Division, I mean, maybe they should, but putting two bands together, I don't know what you're doing there. Like, it's I didn't, weird. I, I was arguing with Hector on this one, I believe. I said, I thought they, it, that was, I thought it was weird too. It wasn't like they completely transformed the band. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Cindy anyway, Lauper yeah. does not get in. Yeah, I think I wasn't surprised. Me around yeah. on that one. I thought she was. The White Stripes do not get in. See, I I would have them over Rage. I don't know why Rage is in there. I don't. Like, I, I don't just either. don't. And then this one upset Pete Johnson. Warren Zevon did not get in. Yeah, he did. He, he did not like that. No. I don't know enough. I need Pete Johnson to educate me, man. I, the problem is, I think Warren, from a creative standpoint, Warren Zevon is a creative talent, but he doesn't have the resume to say he's a Hall of Famer. See, I would, I would make the same argument for Rage Against the Machine. I, I, I would agree with that. You know, I think you got to have a much. I, I, then that was my argument with Cindy Lauper not getting in. Mm. She had two albums. And did nothing after that second album. See, I think, I mean, for me, if you don't have the resume, whatever you have has to be so good. Or groundbreaking. That you're like, well, there's no way. I mean, you have to. Whereas, like, whereas, like, with, with, like, Rage, and we talked about it on the show before, that sound didn't go anywhere. So... They had two amazing albums and then just sort of like fell off the map. Yep. So I don't, I don't know. And I don't think it rises to the level of, well, they were so, I mean, the first one was very good, but I don't think it rises to the level as like, these are so astronomically groundbreaking that it's just like changed how I see music. Uh, Right. Yeah. I agree on it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they got in. It doesn't I, make I, sense to me. It do, it didn't make sense either. But here's There's the other thing. Enough. Yeah. Look ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was going to say, I mean, White Stripes had more albums that, that had more sustained success and, like, basically helped change a whole genre of music to do that whole lo-fi thing That's that's changed music. Whereas, like, Rage Against the Machine, that sound just kind of died as soon as they stopped making music. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I yeah, it was. And I like Rage. I like Rage Against the Machine a lot, but I don't think this is not a what do we like. This is what like you know the Hall of Fame bar should be high. Mm. Yeah, that's my that's yeah. my opinion. 
weird. Yeah. Well, here was an interesting thing. Last year, the top five vote vetters by the fans, which comp- which basically yeah. go on to a single ballot mm-hmm. uh, with all the other hundreds that are out there. But the yes. top five of the fans all got in. This yes. year, the top five only saw one get in, and that was George Ooh. Michael who won the fan vote. Cindy Lauper was second. Warren Zevon was third. Iron Maiden was fourth. Soundgarden was fifth. They did oh, not get in. Soundgarden. But something was weird. Again, the Warren Zevon one, with all respect weird. to Pete Johnson, could, could could the hundreds of thousands of people who voted for I'm talking hundreds of thousands, could they yes. name two Warren Zevon songs? I don't know. I mean, I need, Pete like probably I said, can. Pete probably I can. Need, I need Pete to educate me because maybe there's some other stuff, production or something that I'm not aware of. Dave, I don't think that, I mean uh, I'm I know we have a knowledgeable uh, audience. I don't know if a lot of our audience can name more than anything yeah. outside of Werewolves of London. Oh. Maybe a couple, but yeah. Oh, there's uh oh what's the Lawyers, Guns and Money? What's the name of that song? Yeah, yeah. But Love yeah, that song, again, you're but... thinking of yeah. But, but uh, then again, say, I mean I don't you should be able to rattle off five to six songs, two or three albums easily. You know, yeah. it should be well, you know, yeah. I mean, like I said, the only other thing, because I don't know a lot about Warren Zevon's career. The only other thing I get is that he either wrote for other people or did some production stuff, changed something that way that I'm not aware of. That you know that Pete probably is. I I think, like I said, I think from a critical acclaim standpoint, he has definitely that type the the resume on that piece. I mean, is he sort of like a uh, yeah? Is he sort of like a Velvet Underground? Like, didn't have a lot of that commercial. Piece, but like is critically just like really I don't well think regarded. he had I think the, I, I think the Velvet Underground I think was and I'd have to do a little research on that but I think Velvet Underground did much better uh, commercially yeah I mean I just know that like they're extreme they were extremely critically well yeah. regarded I don't know Pete educate me man I'm open yeah I'm a, I'm a blank slate yeah I mean to, I, uh, I think we talked about it like I thought the hall got did a great job last year and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk about one of the people in that hall in a in a bit because I have more, I'll say a little more on that class <laughs> yes, from last year. Are. But I think this was, we even said this was a weaker class this year, and yeah. it wasn't. I I I think we both knew it wasn't gonna turn out to be great. No. Um. No. I mean, no. But it's the you know what I found too the real interesting one of this. I know was is Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott. And Kate Bush beat out Cindy Lauper. Mm. Um, I'll tell you, there was in 1984. Cindy Lauper was the biggest female artist, but this was before oh, Madonna yeah, yeah. came in. Yeah, so, um, you know, so but those three still got in before her. But Missy yeah. Elliott, you can give an argument for her. Oh, you definitely being can. more groundbreaking. So I, I see yes. it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of women too coming in this time. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, Kate Bush got criticism, but we said that yeah. that that record, the record coming back was gonna give her a point. That's what happened with Duran yeah. Duran. It gave. That's what happens with this. You give. You yeah. know, it gives a push. That's what happened. Cindy, come out with a hit album. Maybe you'll get. Maybe next. Hey, week make, you'll it get in. make it happen. Make it happen. That's what I'm yeah. Yep. Um. So, you're you're speaking of a rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee. Yes. That we we're gonna talk about. So Dave, uh, yes, 
Um, and I'll kind of turn it to you, but I'll just kind of <laughs> intro this. Uh, this week, uh, the news came out on mm-hmm. um, one Dolly Parton's uh, rock album. Yeah, and, well. Yes, Rockstar. It's going to be coming yeah. out in November. There was yep. a track that was released this week, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this was, and we're going to get into, I think you have some thoughts on this, but mm-hmm. um, let me just say that Dolly's, that, that, I said that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class was very tight. Mm-hmm. Right? They seem tight. If you watch the ceremony, you'll know exactly. And I'm looking who Parton brought into the album as collaborators. And there's a lot of collaborators. All right. Mm-hmm. There are 39 artists. All right. Collaborating on one on 30 tracks. But yeah, lots of whole, uh, yeah. mix of covers and originals. Yeah. Lots mix, of covers. 21. Yeah. 21 covers. Mm-hmm. But here's the interesting thing. Of those mm-hmm. 39, there are several from the 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. You have Patrick, uh, Pat Panatar and Neil Girardo, uh, Simon LeBond from Duran Duran. Rob Halford from Judas Priest, which we knew was coming, or just you know four of them, right? And then the last thing I'll say before we kind of t- turn it over to you is, she's going to be doing a track, okay? Mm. Uh, she's going to be covering "Let It Be" mm. with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. That'd be pretty cool. That is a, that that's as close to a Beatles reunion as you're going to have. But Peter Frampton mm. and Mick Fleetwood somehow also made it on there. I'd say going to be part of that too. Sure, why not? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, Dave, I know you have some thoughts on this. I'm going to turn this one I over to you. Thoughts? Yeah. No. So, I mean, I'll talk about the song because I have it for new yeah. music. Mm-hmm. It's um, I gotta look. It's like what world? I gotta look. I got. I gotta look at my notes. Get the title right here. World on fire. That's world on fire. So, it's the second track off the album. So yeah, I mean, I think, and I put this. I I did a review like almost instantly that <laughs> the song came out. Um. I think this review, this song is going to be indicative of the album in that I think it's going to be up and down um, where I think some songs are going to be like, oh, that doesn't do a lot for me. And then you get to the next track and you'd be like, this is the best song I've ever heard. Like it's because this because the way it is, is that like with Dolly and I was talking to Coop about this over text is that the rocks bits are a bit dated so they're kind of like it's kind of what you'd expect like the guitar riffs you'd expect the sort of percussion you'd expect um you're like okay this is sort of what rock is and you can and you're kind of like oh this is serviceable but you know i've kind of heard this before sort of thing um and then you got to the bridge which is just like incredible and like some of the best dolly part music i've ever heard and you're like oh my god this is incredible this is amazing um, and then you yeah, have the end of the song, which is okay. Um, but I think, I think what's going to happen, Coop, is on this record, which, which I'm extremely excited for. I think you're going to get, I think on a whole, it's going to be really good and it's going to be like a, a good record. But I think what you're going to get is you might listen to two tracks and be like, oh, those are okay. They're fun to listen to, but they're kind of forgettable. And then you might get to another track. She's doing a track with like Joan Jett. And you get you get to that track, you're like, oh my god, this is amazing! I can't, you, you know. I think it's I think it's gonna be. I'm very excited. I think it's gonna be like some of those tracks are gonna be so killer. Like yeah. some of them are gonna be so good. 
So um, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. It's gonna be until we know. I, I think we're gonna be surprised probably by some. Her vocal is really good, Coop. The yes, vocal is. is some of the best it's been in like years. Yeah. So, I this is shaping up to be a very. I am very excited for this record. It's four LPs. It is huge. I also said that you know she's like, oh, I guess I gotta make a rock record now. That was probably a bit of a fib because in order to make a record with four LPs, it was probably in the works. I would yeah. imagine by the I, time I, she brought I, up. I mean, it's been a year, but yeah, considering the lineup that's in this thing, right? Oh, I mean, it's very exciting. Yeah, it's very so, exciting. So you know, she had a challenge here. Right? This was the challenge to do the rock album, right? Mm, mm. Um. It's she had to go with a lot of established guard with this, mm. um, to be that's how she was going to get credibility, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, look, you go to Rob Halford, that's as out of the box as you're going to go, right? You get a shot to go with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, you got to do it. But oh, you got to do that, yeah. I don't think that I, you know, when I was looking at this, you got Lizzo on Stairway to Heaven, right? So, that's kind of going to be interesting. I'm really curious to, to see that. You have Miley Cyrus on Wrecking Ball. Yeah, now she's done that. She did yeah. that on what, like New Year's? That's right. That one was on New Eve Year's Eve or something. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. So that that'll be exciting, though. Uh, there's one track I have a complaint on. Uh oh, here we go. Why do we need every breath you take? Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. I I and that's, thing see, is, that's what I mean. That's thing on, why why did we need every breath you take? See, that's what I mean, Coop. I think some of the tracks are gonna yeah. be like, I've heard why, like I've heard this before. Yeah. But then you're gonna get to like Wrecking Ball, or she does a song with Chris Stapleton, and you're gonna get to that, and you're like, "This is incredible!" Right, right. So I think, I, yeah, it's gonna be hit and miss. I think. But, but even if, yeah, even yeah. if there's like, even if there's like, say, eight amazing tracks on there, that's worth it to me. I, I agree. Look, I agree. Um, you know, I think there's gonna be. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, him. I think you know, I'm 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 more curious on the original songs, and obviously the one has already been reviewed, so that's a positive. Yeah, uh, all that that that, and I and I've said it in an interview, and I said it to you and Hector and all those guys. The bridge, just the bridge of this song, right? World on Fire. If you took it out, it made it just its own thing. It's the best music she's recorded in the last ten years. It is incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it it definitely like I said it definitely is a good track. I think it's a very good start off on that. Um, we're we're gonna oh, yeah. see, we're gonna see how this I'm all so plays excited. out. I mean, I think this I'm is gonna so be a mon excited. this is gonna be a monster album. Is what I'm just gonna tell you. Well, it's four LPs. It's a double CD. It is crazy big. Yeah, and and I think you're right. I like to say Dolly really came to that realization. Like I'm gonna do a rock album. It had to be in the works. I mean, oh yeah. To try and line up all those people? To line up all those people, yeah. I, I'm sure some were ready to... And I, I do believe that, like I said, I think there was a lot of camaraderie with that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. And I'm sure there was discussions the day all those people mm -hmm. got inducted. You know, uh, and then like I said, you know, they all came out on stage. A lot of them came out on stage with her, too. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the signs were there. But it seemed like they were more than just... It seemed like they were already tight at that point. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. Yep. So I think it's gonna be. We're gonna have a lot of. I know we'll be doing. We'll probably. 
well, I'm sure we're gonna be going deeper into this album throughout, you know, once November comes. So uh Oh there'll be a review, man. Yeah. You better yeah. believe it. Yeah. Yeah, Dave's um, already put the pre ordering, so Oh my god. I'm close to, I wanna get the four LP colored vinyl anyway. I'm sure you do, yeah. I'm tossing it up. Um yeah. Cigar News Coop. any any big any Um no, it's been a pretty quiet week. I don't think there's anything major. I think uh, maybe it's the stuff we cover here. Um, just kind of browsing, but I could tell you what we cover here. Um, folks are probably going to be interested in the new um, Calaveras. I think they're going to be making the announcement on it this month. Mm. It's kind of late. They haven't announced Calaveras yet. He's teasing it a lot. I'm just so come familiar. out with it, John. I mean, I don't know what you're waiting for at this point. Uh Unless Charlie's he's, he's busy, like, he's unless Charlie's not busy, yeah. Instagram, yeah, yeah, but it's too much now. I mean, you, you, what's the point? Just you know, yeah, yeah. Just, just come out with it. I mean, but you know, use like that used to be an, like an April release. Now it's pushed back now to a June release. Um, yeah. Uh, Boofy's got a new cigar coming out. Uh, a big payback seventies, and it's a seventy. Oh yeah, I yep. saw that. Yep. Jesus, that's a lot yep. of cigar. Yep. Um. And then, uh, if you're a Pete Johnson fan, there's new Tuxlas coming out. Those are the yeah. Mexican San Andreas, and he's going to be doing the 10th anniversary blends with those. So Bella Ancre and Bone Chisura are going to be coming out. He has a pork tenderloin in that as well. Yeah, the pork tenderloin. Uh, I had one with Matt and Garrett when I was up in uh, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and then the last one, and this is the one I think that I'm like a cigar point. I don't know if I'm going to get my hands on this one. The Atabay Black is finally going to be released. That was the one where they were releasing NFT art for it, and people were bought bidding on the NFT art. So right. the good news, if you bought the NFT art, you're going to be able to buy this cigar. Hey. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I think I think whatever you bought, you'll be able to buy that quantity. Like, you were able to buy singles and boxes. So oh, depending on yeah. So that's going to probably be one of the highlights of the trade show this year for sure. The um, I saw Skip. Uh, teasing stuff on Instagram as he does, or I... it's on Facebook. He was smoking the SBC, the new SBC. Okay, what is Mike? This is your brand, okay? Looks good, but Looks okay, good. but this is Mike's brand. It is, Mike. Why are you letting Skip do this? Maybe you are letting Skip do this, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's deliberate, right? But yeah. that's my question: is I think that needs to come from you, right? I'm being, I'm, being, I'm being honest on that. Like they, oh, oh, we should say this. Postani announced the Corona Gordas for. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, they're mad at me, by the way. They're mad because I didn't like print their press release word for word. I heard. Right. Yeah, but okay. We, I don't do that, right? So, but no, I mean, but I honestly, I don't. I maybe they had Skip do it deliberately because Skip's got reach, but I still mm. think that needs to come from. From Mike and and then there was a handful article which I absolutely was a nothing burger, right? Like right. I had no information on it, so no, yeah. I, I just saw the cigar. It's a purple band, yeah. Oh, band looks yeah awesome, yeah. But at least they're doing like they're doing press releases now. The Postani guys, but hey, I there guess you go. I, but I, I think I was threatened to be cut off or or not Threat- cut off. Threatened? No, they didn't threaten to cut me off, but they threatened to give okay. it to me like later than Loomis. So well, they're, mad I, they, they're mad I didn't print it word for word. Uh, sorry, guys. So we don't do that. I think Charlie did the same thing. So they got pissed. I'm like, oh, 
Well, there you go. Uh, okay. Um, it's all good. That's all good. It might yeah. be some beef. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure we're gonna get an earful from those guys when I see them. Yeah. <laughs> Developing pouch review of the week. This relates to the cigar I'm smoking today. They like but, this uh, cigar. Yeah. They like they like the Knuckle Sandwich Connecticut. I ordered some, so I'm gonna check it out. But they they all kind of liked it. Best. It's the best Knuckle Sandwich cigar I think that they come out with. That's what they said. They were all very positive. I yeah. Mean, Lewis and, even said he'd smoke it again. Yeah. Uh, the box press Churchill is what I like. What they liked. Nielsen doesn't. Nielsen likes the rounded one better, but that's yeah, okay. his preference. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, but yeah, yeah, re- really, really good. Um, when I was down in Miami, because uh, I was down there for the Formula One, I did, I did go into the Espinosa office on Monday, mm. and I did get to try the new Seis Provincias. Really How goodness. I, I don't want to give. I don't want to steal what what this cigar is about. Ooh. But it is. But I'm just gonna say, we'll, we'll wait for that to come out. I'm not gonna tease anything on it. But oh, uh, no I teasers. Get, Te- no, teaser we don't do te- we do, we we teaser free. But if I tease it, it's gonna open a Pandora's box. So we're just oh, gonna say I, I smoked wow. it. It was really good. Is what I'm gonna wow. say. Yeah, yeah. I um was well, listening to the review, and they're sort of saying that it's good, but it's not quite the level as the 601 Black. And I love the 601 Black. Um, agree. That. I think it's that's about right, but it's pretty close. I mean, yeah, yeah. If I gave the six hundred one black a ninety two, this is a ninety one. I mean, it's God, that. I love the six hundred one black. Yeah, I think so. I'm very excited for that cigar. Yeah, but the difference with this, with this, Hector said it a bunch of times, and I agree with him. The mm. difference with this knuckle sandwich, Connecticut, is it smokes like a habano. The six hundred one Connecticut okay. smokes like a Connecticut. That's I think yes. the difference. So, it, but so that's why I would put the mindset of this is you would, but it's a Connecticut Ooh. shade on the cigar. Mm. Yep. Well, I'm excited. Yep. Um, this gets into cigars. So this has a tie into the to one of my songs I picked, but it is sent me to me from Coop, the Knuckle Sandwich Fifty Five. My age. Yeah. Hey, Fieri's age too. Isn't that why it's fifty five? Yep. Yep, he's a month younger than me. Yeah. Ah, uh, so yeah, the January. I'm, I'm like, yeah. It's like an oval press. I haven't. I've heard good things. I'm excited for it. It's got a good like, weight to it. Meaty cigar. I liked it better than the Chef Special. I haven't had the Chef Special, so. I have a review coming out of the Chef Special. It's not bad, but Ooh. I think this was much better. All right. Yeah. What do you What do you got? You got a tie-in well, here. Yeah. So there's two tie-ins. I have a Davidoff. Winston Churchill, late hour Toro. So there's two tie-ins. Number one is Dave's Dave's working the late hour tonight. Doing late, doing the late shift. It's doing the late shift, so I'm doing this in homage to him. <laughs> the other thing is, and there is sort of a tie-in because I actually was thinking about this. Mm. We're doing last tracks. Mm. This is the last core line that Davidoff has released. That's the last new core line Davidoff has released under the Davidoff slash Winston really? Churchill. Yeah. They had them in a okay. they've been limited, but they had them in a core line since this. Ooh. So okay. at least for now this is the final track. I'm nice. sure there'll I'm yeah. sure there'll be more there'll be more. But nice tie in. Yeah. But that's why I did both of those. Yep. Yeah. I, I actually was gonna do okay, I was actually gonna do the last Camacho Liberty. Right? Oh, it's a twenty wow. But it wasn't good. I mean, I just yeah, oh, yeah, I, I was gonna say. I, I, like, I, don't know, I can't. I, don't know. I just don't enjoy that cigar. I had one. I'm I think like, there's a reason. It's the I'm last like, one. Uh, what is you know, Seth? Give me, 
Nobody would give me yeah. death. I'll keep dead. <laughs> I'm not gonna go that cruel, but uh, but yeah. So uh, I'm gonna fire this guy up. Uh, uh... and I were talking about this cigar uh on a on a prime time a couple weeks ago, and it's just it's a you know, these have gone up. These cigars they're not cheap. Okay. They're like, yeah. They're yeah, I never had holiday. it. Uh, but I remember Bear and I were down in the Dominican Republic, and they they actually are barrel aging the uh, part of this in the whiskey barrels. I'll never oh. forget when they opened up that whiskey barrel with the tobacco in it. That smell was unbelievable. Oh wow! Uh, well, we were lining that up. I'm going to my first thoughts on last. Tracks. Let's get let's get into last. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So we love album construction. Um, we talked about first tracks was very interesting. Last tracks is also interesting. How you want to close an album out now? In the advent of CDs and streaming, they become less and less yeah. important. However, I try. I have a couple. Um, I do have some modern artists in my list. So last tracks are still a thing, and and people can still have a really killer last track. It's just not. I, a lot of my picks are going to be from like the seventies and stuff, where it was more of a thing when you had LPs and stuff. But, um, but it's still it's still you have a good last track. Uh, and I guess for me, you want those bookends, you want those first tracks to really kick you into the record. And then a, a good last track on side B just wants you, you want to flip it over again. Like, it's just like, oh, let's just keep this music going. Like, it's, you know, yep. you want a really good bookend. And one of the ones that I have in here is like an extremely good bookend. Um, but it's that that last track for me when you're looking at like vinyl. Is it's is it's it's finishing off the record in a way that you want to flip it over and listen to side A yeah. again. Yep. Um, but yeah, but you go ahead, Coop. If you, those, I just, I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts on last tracks, yeah. but it, that's that's generally my 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 looking at them. Yeah, I had a very similar notion to first track versus last track. Uh the first track, like you said, it's meant to hook you. It serves a purpose. The last track, I think, needs to bring a conclusion. It needs to bring some completeness of the album to me, it, whether it comes full circle, whether it's a view ahead. And we'll talk about some of these scenarios, but it has I feel the album has to have some closure. It can't be like the Empire Strikes Back where you have to wait for the next movie. Right. I don't want that. Right. I, I want to feel like I've gotten something out of this listening experience. Mm. I want to yeah. be emotionally charged from the song mm. on the last track. I want that song to move me somehow, whether it's happiness, sad, or anger. I want to be moved by that song emotionally somehow. It, it, it needs that's the that's the grand finale in my book. Yeah, can't just be some filler yeah. track. Yeah. If I'm making a movie, I could be able to take any of these last a great last track and roll it with the credits. Yeah, that's my view on it. The problem is, and you hit this, CDs and streaming have bastardized this, right? They have. So you don't need to, it's space isn't a problem. So yeah. last track could be, you know. So all these deluxe editions and yes. limited releases and remasters, they tack on these extra tracks. Mm-hmm. And I I looked at this for the most part, how the album was intended to be. Mm-hmm. There's one exception I made, and I'll get to that. It's a weird mm-hmm. scenario. So, you know, there's one, like I said, there's one... I know they added an EP album, right? Mm. As a mm. bonus album. No, it's the last mm. track of the of the collection mm. is what it's meant mm. to be. Um, 
Sometimes artists, though, don't use the last track right. And, and, and I don't think we're yeah. going to cover this in this show. But no. sometimes they'll bury like a weak track at the end. Yeah. Right. Because especially yeah. now with CDs, they'll mm. they'll try to front load it, right? And that's a bad model. Yeah. If you have a bad closing track, it's 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 not I think it hurts the album construction and it hurts the album as a whole. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I definitely agree. I mean, that's the problem with when CDs came in. I mean, it got better over time, but people just start, well, I'll just dump on whatever yeah. I want. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes the penultimate song, which is the song before the last track, will overshadow it. I have yep. seen a lot of examples of that. Um, and I'm not talking yeah. about the with the case of bonus tracks, but I have seen some artists they like to put like that that banger, that climax song, penultimate, yeah. and then yeah. have a gentle landing at the end. I, so I've seen that happen. Yeah. I I say completeness, but if it gives me a glimpse into the future of of the direction Ooh. of the band, I'm okay with that. Bit of a glimpse. Yeah, a little precursor. Okay. I was okay, yeah. 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 Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Oh no, I, I, I'll save it for the song. But I got okay. one sort of like that. Okay. And then the last thing is reprises are used sometimes. Like a, a good example is like on Sgt. Pepper, they did a reprise at the beginning. Mm, um I didn't mm, I didn't include reprises here. No, yeah. Um so I, I'm not a big fan of the reprise thing mm. in general. Mm. But it, they they are you they're not used as much anymore. But they I remember that was a thing. A lot of people were doing reprises. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on last. There's a lot I have. Like I I have very strong opinions on last tracks in mm. my opinion. Um, that's good. Yeah. A couple things I forgot. So I I didn't use it like you said. Cooper, which is an excellent point. I didn't go with any deluxe editions. It's all no no I LP. I didn't yeah. It's uh, impossible. Because, yeah, they put some live. Tra- there's it's one like... exception. There's one exception I made. Now it's a weird scenario. Why I did it? Yeah, so I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and the hidden songs, like they're not last tracks. Like, like, they're like hidden. Nirvana, right? Yeah, they're hidden. When you have the original record, it's hidden within the last track, so it's not listed as a track. So there's a last track that that song is hidden in. Hence, a hidden song. The problem, like Coop said, is when they make a deluxe, they take that hidden song out so you don't have to wait 10 minutes of silence. Right. And they make it a track. Yeah. And that's the problem. Um. Anyway, that's my rant on that. Yeah. But the other thing is I have an uh, instance where there's two tracks, but the reason for that is I tried to put what the artist intended. I so, know the scenario you're talking about, and I I would have did the same thing in that in that circle. When we get to that, the yeah. artist did not intend for the for the for the tracks to be separate. Really. Right, right, right. It's kind of like yeah. an index thing. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I those songs you you have to listen to them together. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's I, why I agree. I agree with together. you on that one. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but let's get into it, Coop. Uh, you you come out with a banger. All right, yeah, I'm going right. I'm going for one of the oh, an right iconic, there. an iconic last track on an iconic album. Uh, the artist is Bruce Springsteen. The album mm. is Born to Run, and the, mm. the final track is Jungle Land. Great song, great record. Oh great my pick, God. man! Oh. You know, they said it took six months to record Born to Run, but it Jungle did. Land took another nineteen months to finish. Okay. Oh man, that yeah. record! He had the pressure, man. It it is, and it's a poem, in my opinion. That that song yeah. is a Springsteen 
those are one of his epic poems, right? It's about city and gang life, right? Mm. Uh, gangs, conflict with the priest. And you have just these acts. It's like a play. You know, you have Roy Britton's piano intro. Then you have the guitars come in, right? Then you have the iconic Clarence Clemens solo sax, right? Yeah. And then that that piano closing at the end. It, it, it to me, it is. It's almost like a record. It's like an album within an album because it was such a play. Yeah. But that it there is, it that's a I, when I looked at Jungle Land, mm. and there's one. I know there's one other. There's one other track. Okay, that we're gonna, I think it's ahead of it, but I think this is two. I think this. Oh, is, and I have one will be my. I'm saving one for the end. I think everyone knows what it is. But this, I think, is two. It's it's a it's a bang. I think it's it's a perfect for that album. Perfect closing track. So I mean, you tell, we're gonna talk about bookends, and I got some doozies as well. Yeah. If you look at this record, beautiful opening bookend. track Thunder Road. Yeah. Last track Jungle Land. That's pretty good. That's, that's a, pretty a that's a good a, bookend. And kind of, it kind of is a story within it, you know. And. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Thunder Road. It's kind of I look at it as the same, like that same city. It's taking if you place. Ki- if you kick off a, re- a record with Thunder Road and end it with Jungle Land, it's probably going to be a pretty good record. It's I my, think if I opinion. sat down, I can write a Broadway play on Born to Run. Oh, you you could. I think I actually Definitely. could create the characters. That's what type of album and you know, Born to Run is going to be fifty years old in a couple years. You know, it's forty eight years old already. Hmm. Great, but great record. Who doesn't and again, Jungle Land's gonna move you. That sax solo doesn't move you. You you just have no heart for music. That's right. Boo. Yeah. It was guys it's gotta move me. That that song's gonna mm-hmm. move me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great pick. Yeah. Great, great record. Uh I have a pick off of the run DMC album that should have been picked. This was a uh, good you know, I went and listened to this as a last track. I went and listened to all your last tracks. I could very in- very interesting last track, and I don't mean that negative. I mean a positive. Yeah, I listened. I listened to one of your last tracks, and I went down a rabbit hole of the song that I always listen to. When I yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, Run DMC, proud to be black. This is off of Raising Hell, which is their most popular album by far. Um, has the biggest hits on it. Yeah. Um, probably one of the most important hip hop records ever. It'd be top five probably. What if Beastie Boys would have beat it if Hector picked this album? He had the original run DM, the, the, the eponymous uh, raising hell is really good. Yeah, I, I, that might have beaten licensed ill. Um, I think I picked this because it's a great song, but I think Run DMC isn't known for like act being activists or like right. speaking out on race. Like they're not known for that. At but least in their music, song, they haven't used yeah. that. Po- yeah. But this is a song, I mean, it's called Proud to be Black. It's within the same vein as sort of like Nina Simone's um, Young, Gifted in Black. It's in that sort of vein around, you know, the pride of being black and talking about uh, slavery in it and issues of race, which I think is really bold to put on such a pop forward. I mean, Walk This Way is on this record, you know? Right, right. Um, so I think it. I think it's it's it shows a, a side of their music that they're not really known for, but that's really really important. So I think it's a great last track, and I love it. I love this track. It's very good. I think and, Peter Piper kicks off this record, so that's a good bookend as well. Yeah, and you know the thing about this again, I go like, does the song move you? It, it's gonna it's gonna hit a note with you. This song, 
And I think uh, yeah, what I'm going to... It happens with another band. Another interesting thing about the last track here is when you do something that is different than the rest of the record, right? Like you're saying, a lot of them, it's good to have a good close to record. Like this is different than the rest of the record. Like all of a sudden you're going from Walk This Way and stuff to like a really, especially in 86, a really sort of social activist song that's totally different from that stuff. And it just sort of piques your interest a bit more like, oh, what's this? You yeah, know? yeah, exactly, exactly. I heard a little rattle. Looking if there's any uh, nighttime critters running about. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but yeah, a whole new dynamic we have. Dave gets attacked by wolves on the. Yeah, there's uh, it would be possums. There's there's the huh. the, the the um the frogs aren't out. Probably right, possum possum might attack me. Bats, but uh, the bats won't come in. We said that bat. Right. No bat won't come in. Yeah. Um, if I had an orange out here, but uh, so there you go. Run DMC, probably black off of Raising Hell. Yeah. Ooh. All right. My next one. This is oh, something yeah. we've been talking about a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. But it would have been on this list. This song's got a lot of jukebox airplay recently. I'm yes. just going to say. Yeah. Artist is Toto. Album's yeah. Toto 4. Song's Africa. And it's dedicated to Aaron Loomis. Okay. So here's the thing. And I would have picked this even beforehand, right? I already had this song, and this is my argument I had with Aaron is the lyrics. I get some of his problems with the lyrics, right? But this yeah. song is basically what it is. It's kind of like a traveler's. It's kind of like a traveler's notebook of an experience in, in Africa, right? That's what I look at it as, right? And it's kind of like the way this song was kind of sung. It's got a um, a reflective attitude on this, right? Um, I don't think Total Total Four is an album that has cohesion lyrically, but I think yeah. it has cohesion musically. Um, yeah. and there's some really good session musicians, and I think this song, if I, if they had a pick of the of the tracks on, and Total Four is a very good album, but like I said, it, it's 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 not a lyrically, it's the music on that album that's more interesting. I think this is a very good closing track, right? Um, you know, the whole. Let, that whole last chorus when you got, you know, they're singing I bust the reins in Africa, I bust the reins in Africa. Um, it, you know, it's kind of got, it reaches that part where, again, I think that kind of moves me. And then the song kind of mellows and it mm. comes to a soft landing, right? Uh, and then you kind of wonder, you know, what would be next for Toto? And we talked about this on beginning of the end. It was the beginning. Yeah, nothing. It was the beginning. It kind of was, it almost was like the closure of Total. Those first four albums by Total were amazing. Yeah. And nothing, they had, they had I'll glimmers. They had glimmers. A... Yeah, they had glimmers after that. But no, and I think it, like I said, it, it kind of brought some closure to me. It brought some closure and completeness to me. Not in a way I wanted, though, is what I'm saying. No. Yeah. Um. Quick question, and we're going to get to it with this next, oh, kind of this next song that yeah. I picked. But what do you think of, last track being a big hit like that like usually especially in the 80s people like to put the hits at around like three you know three four yeah what do you, what do you uh, think of having a big uh, such a big hit as the last track i want to say this was the second single because rosanna which was the lead mm -hmm. single so it was the first right so they went with bookends yep. but you know back then there was no cds yet right yeah this was kind of an unusual move right to do that mm -hmm. 
But if you listen to Toto 4 from start to finish, this no. is the only song that could have been the last. I'm telling you, okay. this song wouldn't have worked as a second or a third track. I okay. think it, because, again, lyrically, they're very disparate, but I think mm. just this kind of the melody in this song, it had this feeling of closure. So, but it was also a very radio friendly song. So I, yep. I think in general, you don't see the last song as we, I have another one. That's the last song. that was a big hit coming up. I just a couple, but, but yeah, this was a major hit for them, but it's an, it was, I'd say this is more the exception to the norm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just asked that because it is usually the obsession. Like when you're constructing it, unless it's a concept record, when you're constructing the album, you're usually putting the hits it, to it, not last. You, they're usually front loaded, like three, four, two. So you got to remember 40 years ago, going back in the 80s, the record companies would send, like, you know how we get free cigars? The record yeah. companies would send demo copies of records, yeah. right? They would stamp with a demo copy on it, right? Mm. And what they do is these demo copies would go out early and they would hope that people on the radio stations would listen to the whole album and potentially find and what they hope to do is before the single came out, they were yeah, hoping yeah. to get some airplay with get some of these songs. Out, yeah. The problem is you bury something at this is the ace track. Uh, yeah, you, you bury it, chances are it's not gonna get that visibility unless it comes out as a single. That's why they usually were were, were front loaded. But no, it's interesting. That's why yeah, next one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly why it's front loaded. It was front. Now it's a little different. Now you have these like, you could you know it's streaming. You could release when you want to release. Uh, yeah. So they, but it was very different. But you had a hope that they played that song. Well, this is a, this is a clear example of that, Coop. Because my next track is Beyonce with Formation, which is the last track off of Lemonade, which in my opinion is a perfect record. I, um, I knew. So this was another this was but this is a more recent example. So this was Yeah, so this is a recent so this is yeah, sort of what you're talking yeah. about with streaming because it's an amazing last track and it's a huge single. Yeah. I might have even been a lead single. But it's I the believe- last track because it kind of it doesn't really fit the record. Right? So the record is sort of about the person's being cheated on, like people say it's Beyonce and Jay Z. Like I'm not getting into that. Yeah. But and it's about the, the woman in that sense, like going through that around the anger around that and around her power. And then in the end sort of like coming together and having some sort of closure to that. And then yeah. you have formation, which is yeah. like totally different. Yeah. So, so a lot of it is that this single was out there and they just sort of added it onto the record, um, which is to Coop's. To Coop's point, when you're streaming, you could do that. Yeah. Because you you put the single out, it's getting streamed. Like she didn't even promote this record, really. And then and then formation was already out there and it just sort of got added on to this record, just to put it somewhere. Um, I put it on just because it is an amazing final track. But it's to your point, Coop, it's almost the exact opposite of Africa in the sense that they just threw it on there because, but it was already big, so they didn't really care. Yeah, but it doesn't break up the flow of the rest of the record, and they just sort of tack it on at the end. It's sort of, you know, whereas if you're making an LP, like this track would never, it would not be like that, really. You'd have Lemonade, and then this wouldn't even. You just make it a single, and it would just only be a single. I think if you were doing like a vinyl or something. This one I struggle with. If it was a good glass track or not, I'll be honest with you. 
I'm again, this ain't a reflection on the song, but because it was so disparate compared to the rest, I was like, does it make a good last track? It seemed like it was a little disjointed, but I get it was a big song and they had to put it somewhere. That's a great song. Yeah. So they had to put it somewhere. So maybe it didn't meet my criteria, but I think your criteria, but that doesn't mean my criteria is the end all either. But I think it's interesting because it shows the difference in record or album construction in a pre-streaming world and a post-streaming world. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas whereas the hidden track shows the difference in album construction in a CD world and a pre-CD world. You know? Yeah, like pre CD world, you could have a hidden track, but you're not gonna like recut the record and make it. You know, you're not gonna do that. But in yep. a CD, you just re, you just make out another edition and you make it its own track. You and, can make it its own yeah. track, yeah. yeah. What I will say is, don't like what. Remember when we were talking about so when they switched the order mm. and stuff. Yes, because of the space. Yeah, yeah, and that was like, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't want that messed with. I don't like when they mess with that. Lucky the music on so was so good. Oh, unintended uh but it was a you know where it, but we i think we said we're going to stick to the way it was originally intended yes yeah. um so this is interesting and i love the track but it's interesting when you look at album construction from yep. that point of view yeah um now your next one i i went down i would see whenever coop has this artist on I all I always listen to this song, but I always end up going back and listening to a certain song three or four times in a row. Always, when he puts this artist on. This this artist album is archaeology worthy, even though it didn't do this, well on the bell. This song's amazing. I forgot well, how great it was until I listened two. to it before this well, show. Well, so I want to see which yeah. one you're talking about. All right. Well, I'm talking, I'm talking about the first one. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So. The album is the artist is Phil Collins. The album is No Jacket Required. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Know, yeah. uh-huh. There's two <laughs> closing songs. Yep. Depending on, let me and I'll explain because I remember this very clearly. I went out and I when no, when Phil Collins No Jacket Required got released in the spring of 1985. There we Will, go. Will Cooper went into Manhattan. He bought his so copy. Give me of, that. He bought Fucking his copy. Record. Yeah, he, I bought the LP of No Jacket Required. And the put your money down. Song, yeah, give me the LP. Yeah, yep. the closing song was the iconic "Take Me Home." God, I, I love that song. Love that song. I, love I, that song. I mean, you have you have Peter Gabriel and Sting on background vocals on that song. People it's don't so good. It's so good. Okay. So good. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. A month later, Will Cooper buys his CD player. Right. And then back then, the CD version didn't come out right away. So probably by the summer, I said, this album's so good, I'm going to buy it on CD. I go buy it on Uh CD, and Take Me Home is not the closing song. (laughs) It's the the penultimate song, and they add on this track called We Said Hello Goodbye. Hmm. The problem is they are both amazing closing songs. If you haven't heard We Said Hello Goodbye, wow. Wow. I'm just going to – they're both – I mean, I can't – so Take Me Home, that iconic feeling of uh, coming home after a long journey, right? It's just like – you know, I remember I'd play – I'd come home from hanging out in the city. At 4 in the morning, I'd put that track on my car. It kind of got me home, right? We Said Hello Goodbye 
was the ultimate breakup song. Yes. It was a story about like closing a chapter in your life and moving on with another. It's it is a beautifully well done song. It's got mm. this orchestral mm. beginning. It's got some great uh it's got a great piano work. It is absolutely worthy of being a closing track. So yeah. I yeah, I argue that Take Me Home is a better closing track. They're both good. Yeah, I mean I, I understand um because Take Me Home is musically oh. so I mean he's using that but just role the vibe synthesizer. of it, you know. Even that there's a lot of synthesizer in Take Me Home, but it yes. works with that. It works you know, you hear that synthesizer, the but chorus is so good. And that's what Peter Gabriel and Stinger are just like they're they're doing like the the background vocals. They're not you know you hear it ah that's that's Peter Gabriel and Sting doing that. Um, look, I agree. I think in the end, I think you could decide which one you want. I mean, the problem is I still, if I have to kind of be te- if I have to go on technicality, mm-hmm. I I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out which they intended it to be. Could they not get we said yes. goodbye on on because they obviously recorded this all at the same time. But they couldn't have like could they not fit it but wanted it to be the last song? Is that your thing? Well, it was a B, and it was a B side. I wanted this. I think it's a studio has one. He, has he talked about that? You know, he hasn't or... talked about. It. He doesn't perform. Yeah, he hadn't talked about it. I, I did a lot. I tried to look for that, and I couldn't find any research on it. Um, he, he doesn't perform. We said hello goodbye in in concert, I, and there's no live version of it. A lot of people cover it on YouTube. They love to cover that song. So, but I think "Take Me Home." So many oh. people had the LP, right? Mm. That. You have, and it just was. It was like it's still a poster child. I mean, one, they're just two different types of closing songs, but both can close out a great album. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, so I gave it to both here. Now, and I always do what I do when 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 Coop puts Phil Collins on. Uh huh. Right. I listen to the song that you pick to refresh my memory of the song. Yep. As I do with the other song. And then I always listen to Against All Odds probably like 10 times in a row. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, it wasn't even on a regular Phil Collins album. That was on a uh, soundtrack album. Single. Oh, I love that song so much. I mean, that I'm, I, I'm like, I'm here. I might as well. And I just listen to it. Over that over song, along with You Can't Hurry in Love, mm. made Phil Collins an absolute pop star. Those two songs. God, Against All Odds is so good. Uh, um, it, that you know, yeah. and the drum work on Against All Odds, don't underestimate that drum. <sighs> I mean, Phil Collins was a, I mean, Phil Collins in the mid '80s was one of the most sought after musicians. God, he I'm was a, he was solo, he song wrote for people, he produced. Yeah. For, I mean, he was producing for Philip Bailey. Um, he he was you know he'd be brought in as session musician. It was hard to top Phil Collins back then. God, I love that song. He was, um, yeah, yeah, and he was doing soundtrack. He did a couple of soundtrack songs, not just yeah, that one. Yeah, do yourselves a favor, listen to "Take Me Home" and then "Against All Odds." Just, just the double. Yeah, but, but um, absolutely great song. <laughs> that happens every time you put a Phil Collins song. I always listen to that one. Yep, multiple times. Uh, we're talking about bookends. I got a bookend here that Sensei will hate. This was we. I remember we did this on the first album, Archaeology. How can yep. you not? This is this. I mean, I would have picked this one if you didn't. Yeah. Do you have? You have "Let It Bleed." Um, and the ending, the final track is "Rolling Stones." You can't always get what you want off of "Let It Breathe." 
which I think is another perfect record. This was perfect construct. I mean, this song at the end. I mean, oh. it it the 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 record kicks off with "Give Me Shelter." Yep. Right, and then ends with this song, which you have another long song as well. I listened to, um, but you usually don't have a final track so long. It's seven plus minutes. Yeah, Jungle Land was long too. Almost, Jungle Land was also long. Yeah. yeah. You have one that's almost like eight, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, Maybe anyway, this tops Jungle Land. Maybe this one's going to top Jungle Land. I can see this one as the second best. But it's still a long, it's it's, it's a very Great long song. song. Yeah. I mean, it's an epic song. And it, yeah. and it really caps off the record. Like, to end a record with you can't always get what you want, it's just like almost a perfect ending, really. It's just such a great cap to the record, I think. It's a great concert closer, too. Yeah. It really, yeah. It's a great concert. Again, I can put this song on uh, really at the end nicely. of a movie. Yeah, that whole... That whole great pace, tempo pace at the end. Yeah, it just yeah, it's it's a perfect, it's it's a perfect last track. It yeah. really is. No, it's great. Oh man, I just and you're right. You you know you you know this was such. I remember we did this. This was one of, I think it was the first album of archaeology we did. Pretty pretty early, yeah. I remember we did a um a Stogie Geek show, and I said I think we did a segment five albums, and I remember you had this album on there. And That's after right, that show, I really got into that album because I'm like, there's a lot this album has to offer. It's it's it's, and you just it stands the test of time. And this is everything a closing oh, track yeah. to be. And, 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 and since record. I can't great get into record. that, I'm so he's getting beat up on a snack food thing from last night. So. <laughs> Did oh, I lose you? Man. Okay, no, I thought I lost you a second. Yeah. Yeah, he got beat no. up on snack food. So no, this is a great, oh. great track, uh, Eric. I'm sorry. Great track. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, another great track. Now you you got you got a lot of background on this track that I wasn't aware of. This, yeah, this. So I'm one. excited for this. Yeah, I think I have two things twice in here. I just look, but okay. Um, the artist is Fleetwood Mac. The album is Rumors, and great, great record. The track is Gold Dust Woman. Mm. Um, which is a metaphor for cocaine, by the way. Love that. Uh, so here is the thing, and this may be playing your Beyonce thing a little. I'm not sure how this one fit into the whole rumors concept. Yeah, it mm. seemed like see it that. was a little bit on the outside, right? Mm. Um, but musically, it has this vibe of closing. Lyrically, when you listen to it, there's some good like closing types of lyrics where and and the, I, I singled a, a, line, a couple lines out when it says and is it over now do you know how pick up the pieces and go home it has that mm. it brings that vibe of a last of a thing out there right it does yeah. yes here was the amazing thing this track Mick Fleetwood who's known as a drummer he also does a lot of the percussion with this right and in this he mm. used uh a uh, electric harpist cord uh, with a jet phaser, uh, which was marked with tape, so Mick Fleetwood could actually play the right notes on this thing. Um, <laughs> right. And then to accentuate some of those vocals, Mick Fleetwood would bro broke sheets of glass during this. Did he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. And if you listen, you gotta, gotta go back and listen to this. You'll, you'll have a different view of this, right? I didn't know it until by the way doing this. And in a lot of ways, this was an experimental song, and it was a mm. precursor to what would come. This is what I'm talking about. Mm. Tusk. Tusk would become an experimental album, yep. right? But yep. this was by yep. far the most experimental track. It didn't really fit in with rumors, 
but it had all the elements, kind of again, like what you had with Beyonce. And then I got to just say this. I know we picked on this guy. Lindsey Buckingham is as good a background yep. vocalist as there is, right? His hey, harmonies on this song as the second the second vocalist actually steal it a little bit from steal a little Stevie. Yep. He's really good on this track mm. when he's singing those background vocals. Nice. Yeah. I have a good. very like yeah. yeah. We're going to have a very like cuz my next song it's just kind of all in the same wheelhouse here. Which is interesting. This one, yeah, still, very similar, yeah. yeah, experimental. Yeah, so I have the Beatles with "Tomorrow Never Knows." Great, great, which pick. is off of Revolver. Yeah, which I have to say, Revolver is probably one of my favorite Beatles records. Is Revolver definite worthy archaeology album? If we're gonna do a Beatles album, it would probably but be the one like, I would do. Yeah, I mean, but much like you were saying, like the the rec the track really doesn't fit the record. Because it's, it's so out, out there. It's so out there, but it was also, yeah, it has that precursor to what's going to come. Yeah. So just to kind of set some context. So you, there's like backwards yeah. <laughs> guitar and like sitar and the vocals are just great. I I, I, I put my notes. You can see where Oasis got their inspiration because like the vocals and everything is like really like. But you can see from this song, because the albums are going to follow this. So Revolver is 66. Then you have Sgt. Pepper's in 67. Um, 68, you got the White Album. 69, you got Abbey Road. Yeah. Let It Be is in 70. So you can see where they're headed to this more like uh, experimental rock phase and kind of transitioning from the more like, I guess, Brit invasion type you know um type phase that we kind of know of but it's so different from a lot of the that's a great last track because it's this experimental track that kind of has you as a listener like whoa this is different like where are the beatles going with this and it has you sort of thinking about the future already you know um it's just such a great track it's just so it's so out there when you think when you compare it to the rest of the album. Um, but what I like about it is sort of similar to you, Coop, when you're talking about with Fleetwood Mac, is that you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, like at the time, you'd be thinking to yourself, like, oh, I wonder what that next album's gonna be, like if this is what they're doing. Yeah, and it kind you know of was that, I mean? that it was that whole precursor thing of it. Mm, Closure, mm. but looking ahead. Yes. That's kind yeah. of like if they're doing this, like yeah. what's the next one gonna be? That's gonna be crazy. Yeah. So, little little trivia, Dave. Go out, have it. I don't so know trivia. This was a closing track for an album by an artist we just talked about. Do you know who the artist was? No. It was Phil Collins on Face Value. <laughs> was it? Now, now here's the catch. There was a hidden track with a, with a little tiny oh, thing of Over the Rainbow on of there. Of course there was. Right, but yeah. no one, but it wasn't even on the cassette, right? That uh, the over the rainbow wasn't even on the cassette, just so you know. So, so tomorrow never knows was the closing track on Face Value by Phil Collins. Really? Yeah. Huh. Bill. And like your work. But what was weird about now Phil, and I'll say this: Phil kind of keeps it to the Beatles version. Pretty straight. Yeah, it's I got that. It's version. got that like that kind of um, 
acidy kind of I could see him doing the vo- I could see him doing the vocal. Yeah. Pretty, but it pretty wasn't close. a precursor to anything he would do. No. Yeah. God, uh, it's the thought like you hear this song and you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he covered that on there. Yeah, it was the one cover he did on there, yeah. It's like he covered a Genesis bird song called Behind the Lines. Yeah, but that was the other one, yeah. Now this next track of yours, I think it's almost like a perfect final track, really. I love this song as well. Loved listening to it again. All right, this one, this was an easy one. Oh, yeah. Uh, the artist is the Traveling Wilburys. Underrated. It's Traveling their Wilburys, volume one album, and it's End of the Line. Great song. Uh, great song. I mean, the name of the song, the rhythm of the song, plays into the vibe of the song. If you watch the music video, they're going home on a train. Of course they are. All the Wilburys. Really can like if you listen again another good album archaeology album is to do uh volume one do volume one of by the Wilburys. Mm. But most of the Wilburys tracks, there's one Wilbury taking the lead, yeah, and the other ones support it. Mm. The bookend songs are handle me handle care is the is the first song, mm. end mm. of the line is the second. The two bookend songs have all the uh Wilbury's mm. kind of on equal footing. If anyone has the least role on on end of the line, it's Bob Dylan. But his yeah. guitar work is is front and center, is what I'm going to say. So good Beatles link too, a bit of George. Yeah, George is in there. Uh I mean, George has the George has a vocal in the last chorus when he goes, "When it's all right." I think he might be my favorite Beatle, by the way. Anyway, I mean, you look at George. I mean, yeah, this was such a. I mean, this. The Wilburys was a project that was really started mm. by Tom Petty and Jeff Flynn. Mm. Um, and then this is also, I mean, that this song was the track released right after Roy Orbison died. Because Roy Orbison mm. died while after right after the album came out. And what I mean, what they I mean, again, I'm not a big music video guy, okay? Yeah. But that video, when they're on the train and mm. they turn it over to Roy's because Roy's doing a verse. And they have the rocking chair. If that mm. doesn't move you, I don't know what does. And here's the thing. Every time I hear that song, I think of that rocking chair with Roy not in it. And it's just, that's how it, that's how this, it's just, that, that's a rare video that made a big impression on me. Mm. But yeah, this song is just, it's underrated. Mm, it is. Uh, the whole band is. Roy whole, Orbison is as well, by the way. Yeah, Roy, Roy yeah, Roy Orbison, who really, he, I think the guy who, doesn't get the credit on this album is Jeff Lynn. He yeah. Really, he, production and you guys, he put contribute. I mean, the other guys will all say that we only have how many Wilburys are alive. It's uh, Dylan. Dylan's it, right? Cause yeah. It, Cause Tom Petty's yeah. Tom Petty died. Roy Orbison died. George Harrison, George Harrison. died. Oh, Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn Jeff is too. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Lynn is too. So yeah, that was the end of the line. They did a Great volume track. three album without Orbison. Mm. Not a bad album. It's just, yeah, but I mean, uh, it's tough. Yeah, you have Tweeter. I mean, volume one, Tweeter and the Monkey Man, Dirty World. There's some good tracks on that album. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that was definitely an album of the year nomination for me that year. Oh yeah, well, yeah. It did well, if I remember. It did very well. Um, yeah. I mean, people. They did. I remember the whole thing. They didn't know how that it was album a big was deal. It, it was a that, big that deal, super but they, group was a big deal. It was a it, yeah, because I mean the super groups. This is coming after um, um, would be Highwaymen. When was that? 
Well, yeah, I think it was they were around then. I'm also took a power station. Mike and the Mechanics was another one. Yeah, but this one was like, this was a serious star power, and none of they didn't use their names on the album. They had a yeah. Lucky and Lefty Wilbur yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, Charlie yeah, T, yeah. and yeah, it was this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. so they, they were all worried about that. Like the record companies were worried about, it, but the record station, the radio station, picked it up, became a big hit. Great, yeah. great record. Yeah. Now this is the one where I have two and one because I mean you can't really listen to one without. The and other. I agreed with this, by the way. It's uh, I mean, I mean, the track starts like in the middle of where the other track ended, like yeah. like it's the same note. Um, Pink Floyd with brain damage and eclipse, uh, off of Dark Side of the Moon. I put the two together because that's kind of how they are. It it's a con- there's no. This song, all I'm saying, it's one song. They just did two tracks with it for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. Now they reference, you know, Dark Side of the Moon in the track. You hear this track, and it's classic what I say about last track. You hear this track and how it ends and everything, and you just want to flip it over and listen to Dark Side of the Moon all over again. Because <laughs> it's just like, you just get, I just get so charged up to keep listening to Pink Floyd after I hear this track. Like the build, the percussion, the chorus. The background singers like this track is just and you and you flip it over and you just want to get back into the world of Dark Side of the Moon. Like you just want to jump back in, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, it's it's um yeah, agree. Great concept record. Great way to end a concept record. Uh, cause it's kinda hard to end a concept record, you know. And, um, and look, Pink Floyd were the king of the concept records, too. Oh well they were, yeah. They absolutely there was no one did it better than them. I mean, I think the modern day concept record that was done really well would probably be OK Computer is probably yeah. the one that most people would think of. They're losing the concept albums are becoming extinct. Yeah. Well, it's because you go track by track now. You don't really yeah. listen to full albums anymore. Yeah. I mean, Pink Floyd was, a, like I said, I was thinking I was talking about Cindy Lauper did a conceptual album on A Night to Remember. It was, like I said, it wasn't mm. a bad album. Um, Because mm. I don't, you know, people wouldn't think of well, her you're, a conceptual um... album. Sturgill Simpson did a concept record. Yes, he did. True. Um, But anyway, we're going into concept records now. That's a whole other show. Whole other show, yeah. But but the the best part about this is you want to flip it over, get right back in, like, immediately. Yeah. Which is, is like, the key to the last track, you know. And and you use the words in your notes, uh, trippy and fitting conclusion. (laughs) And that that is exactly what this is. Um, uh, like a clip, you could not just say eclipse is the closure without brain damage. You just can't. No, 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 no. Yeah, you just can't. I mean, I think There's eclipse a... on its own is only like two minutes or something. It's only two minutes, but it's literally like it comes in in the middle. It's like a coming in yeah. mid song. I, I, yeah. Uh, I think too because when they make the album, like these tracks, the tracks are all made sort of. It seems like, like haphazardly. Like they yeah. expect you to put the album on, hit play, and listen to it. They don't think you're going to cut and jump track to track. So really, tracks are just arbitrary, really, on this record anyway. Genesis did this in 1986. They had had two songs, In the Glow of the Night and The Last Domino, right? Yeah. Same thing, except here's the thing. You could put a break in between Mm. those two songs. Like there was just a break. It was a clear break with the two songs. Can't do it with this one. You can't do it with this one. There's no no way you could break it. But that's for whatever reason, that's what they chose to do with this. that's why if you ever listen to brain, if you ever listen to Dark Side of the Moon on like shuffle, <laughs> you're not like, don't huh? don't <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. Um, I still have to listen to it with Wizard of Oz. I gotta do that. 
sync it up. I heard this pretty cool. <laughs> anyway. Um, now, your next song. This is a big favorite of uh, a guy we talked about earlier, one, uh, one uh, Pete Johnson likes this song. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and Chauffeur, I think he likes and the well, show, okay. a lot. Oh wow! So this is if you this is the artist is Duran Duran. It's from the 1993 Wedding album, and the song is called "Sin of the City." Mm. Here, here's what I'm just gonna say: This is the best final track and greatest Duran Duran song that nobody knows. Yes, it, I think you've talked about this before. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned it on some show. I don't yes. know what it was. It wasn't like on the show. I think you mentioned it in passing. Okay, so. This is a really like, we talk about Duran Duran. Every album they do is different. The Wedding album is another one of those albums. I don't know necessarily. It's kind of like Toto. I don't necessarily if it has a underlying theme. But this was like th this could have this this is just closing track through and through, and mm. it kind of is very similar to what you talked about with Run DMC, in that Duran right. Duran goes into social commentary here, which is yes. not something yes. they were really had done before. Uh, I think a lot of this had to do with the addition of Warren Cusarillo from Missing Persons, who was with the band. He had replaced Andy Taylor at this point. Mm -hmm. Warren, mm -hmm. I think, was a bit... And Durandere gives him a lot of credit for this error. Mm -hmm. um, the song is about something which was very a big story in New York, the Happy Land Fire. Uh, there, was a there was a fire caused by arson that killed 87 people mm. in an unlicensed social club in New York City. Mm -hmm. And the song deals with the arsonist and the commentary of you know, yes. all this we dealt with. Um, Listen to this track is what I tell people. And you're just going to be amazed. I mean, I think you'll just say, I think people will like the track. I think mm. you'll know it's Duran Duran because Simon's voice does come out in it. But you're going to say, this is nothing like I've heard from Duran Duran before. That wedding album yes. was, was a completely different uh, direction they went in, too. But just, it was much more, it wasn't the MTV type of album. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this, and it's to me, if Pete Johnson's on board with this, if he, if, you know, I'll have to talk I to him about it. He is. Yeah. The Chauffeur would be a great closing track off an album. It wasn't. I don't think it was. A, was it a closing track? I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I don't think it I was. Think it was middle maybe yeah that that haunt yeah but again i think this one left me the it's got a vibe of being a closing song um mm. it wouldn't have fit anywhere else on the album so no which the wedding album i would put uh 93 was a really good year for albums because i have another 93 album coming out um mm. yeah this was a great closing track so check it out. Nice. We'll have it on the playlist. I want some feedback from the audience on this. Yeah, I, I I listened to this when you brought it up last time. It's a great song. It, it, it's yeah. a great song. Not it wasn't released as a single, so this is this is the one yes. deep cut I got. Yeah, it's a deep yeah. cut. And yeah. it's a pretty yeah, it's a good song yeah. though. Yeah. Uh I don't think I have any deep I have one deep cut. I think you have one deep cut. It's just like a me thing. Um Aretha Franklin. Do right woman, do right man. This is all oh, I never great... loved a man the way I love you. This great song. Great, also, great we're looking at a record that's about sort of relationships. She talks a lot about relationships too, on like um, Lady Soul as well. Um, especially when you look at like, you know, um, when we, when we took we did that album archaeology. But great gospel and soul vibe about healthy healthy relationships and respect. 
Like, you you know, you can't be a do-right man if you don't do right by your woman sort of thing and respect her, which is sort of a theme that Aretha has in a lot of her songs about respecting women um, is a theme that she kind of... She's either having a song about why a man is bad because he doesn't respect women and what, or why people should respect her or respect women in general. So this fits into those themes that she sort of has. Fits in well with the record and just a great closing, just a great closing song uh, in general. Great track. Yeah, and this was um, the gospel piece. I want to talk about that. Yes. There's something about a gospel, a gospel piece. Mm-hmm. We we see it in you can't always get what you want. Now you see it here. Mm-hmm. It works for a closing track. Get some sort of a gospel level thing in there. Not necessarily the center of the song, but kind of it's kind of one of the periphery pieces of the song. Yep. You got a great closing track, is what I'm just saying. Well, it's a good emotional hook, you know. Yeah. And this was kind of a conceptual album, and I think this was a really good uh I think it was a. I think I said. I think this worked really, really well. Um, oh yeah, and I think. Track. Yeah, and even though she was never signed to Motown, yeah, it has that Motown soul vibe, you know. Yeah. yeah. That that sound that yeah. I really like. Yeah. Now this, I have to admit, Coop, this song surprised me. I know you're a fan, but it surprised me. Yeah. Um, and it it's kind of a fitting one. Uh, the artist is Daft Punk, mm-hmm. and it's off Random Access Memories, and the song is called Contact. Mm-hmm. Now we got to keep in mind, Random Access Memories is an album of the won a Grammy Award for Album of the Year. Okay, huge album, huge, huge album. Um, and it's an amazing. It's it's kind of this contact landing. I don't know, it's out of space. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, no. It is, it is amazingly so. Again, I talk gospel. If you go orchestral rock, which is, I think this brings elements of orchestral rock with tech rock in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has everything a closing track needs to have, right? It does. Now, here's the really interesting part of this: mm. the song ends like it's kind of like again. It's I'm gonna say it simulates some sort of spacecraft, and at the end. The power goes off. Mm-hmm. And ironically, the power would go off for Daft Punk. That would be it. They've never done a studio album again. Mm. That was their last track. And it's kind of remember they did the whole press conference and they blew themselves up or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but this track, it and it was a I, at the time I didn't know it was gonna so gonna be their last track, but it it again, it was like it brought closure to this album, this random access memories. Did have a kind of a vibe going with it. Um, mm. I think musically more than lyrically, but yeah, I mean, power goes off. That's it. You know, we're done. Landing's complete. I don't know. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> see you later. And oh, we're we're out of here too, guys. Yeah, by the yeah, way, we're out of, we're out of here too. So I, <laughs> and I have another artist that's gonna be his final song too. But yeah, this was that was it for Daft Punk. Mm. Yeah. So I thought it was a good. Oh, great pick. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's. I tried to. I had so many from like the eighties and nineties. I got to come up with one yeah. in the last decade. And when I really looked at this, I'm like, this is, this is everything. It hit. Maybe this is the one that doesn't move me emotionally, except for yeah. the fact that that was it for Daft Punk now. And I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect. Yeah. 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 Um, I, this is similar to Africa in that 
this is like, I mean, it like it could be one of the best final tracks of all time. Absolutely. Maybe. This is Public Enemy Fight the Power on Fear of a Black Planet is the last track on the record. Yes. It, it was recently put as the number two track of all time by Rolling Stone. And it's yeah. a final track, which is crazy. I mean, this might get to the to the like trying to because I look you look at the album and it's like, well, it's not really. I mean, I don't know if it's because the album's pretty pretty long. Yeah, it's a long um, album, and this was long thirty album. years ago. This is like ninety. You're like, because, mm, mm, but, but what I'm thinking is that they wanted they wanted to end with like a bang, like they wanted to just end with a like drop the mic moment, end with a big moment, yep. and this is definitely the track that does that. Like one of the probably one of the top three influential hip hop songs of all time. Um, just an amazing track. Like has all the hallmarks of Public Enemy, the the activism, excellent lyrics. Chuck D is just bringing it, and it is just an amazing track. One, I mean, one of it has to be one of the one of the best final tracks ever. Um, I mean, there's some other ones that are going to contend with that, but it'd be uh, within the top five. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just 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 a big a big mic drop moment for that record, where you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you listen to the end of that, and you're like, man. Um, and they follow that up uh, with the with the uh, uh, enemy strikes black apocalypse ninety one. They sort of follow that up, but uh, off of one of their more most powerful records, you have the most powerful song finishing it off. It's just incredible. I, I was shocked that this was the last. last I am record. too. I am too. But you're right. It kind of fits in with that total vibe, uh, you know. And again, when you have something as the last track. Even back in '90, they were still working with the demo record concept. They just bring the they just bring the hammer on this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. What do you got? What do you got next year, Coop? All right. Well, here we go. This is a big one. This so, song is like long too. I think it's this another long. Eight, it's about eight, eight minutes minute or something. Yeah. yeah. So when we did three in a row. How did I leave this artist off the train? I don't know. We did. Though. We did, right? So the artist is Stevie Wonder, right? Mm. And uh, the uh, the album is "Songs in the Key of Life," and the song, oh, the, the final album. track is "Another Star." So again, Stevie Wonder. This was like his. There was a four year period in the seventies. He won three albums of the year. Three albums of the year. Three albums in a row. One album of the year for the Grammys, and it was Inner Visions was. Uh, was the first one uh, fulfilling this first finale was the second one songs in the key of life was the third one. <clears throat> and I think That's this was one. his, that this was the closing of the trifecta. Um, again, if you kind of look at some of these reissues, it gets a little complicated here because there was an EP that was released with this album and there yes. was four, which was separate, but it was included when you bought the album. Yep, but yep, then yep. when you buy the CD, they just basically merged the EP after they this. merged the yeah yeah yeah. But but this is I'm counting this as um I'm counting this as the final track another star. Oh uh, definitely. I love this. I love this Latin beat it brings. In. It's just very again really closed out a, a great creative period mm. with him. I think this it's kind of this uh it's got this a little bit of melancholy, but it's yep. got signs of hope right. Um, in this, 
it, it's it's to me it fits what a um a last track should be. And Definitely. I think ultimately Stevie Wonder would then his creativity was never the same after this. You get like part time mm. lover and uh I just called <laughs> yeah, to say yeah, I love yeah, you yeah, was, yeah. Uh, was what came oh, after that it. song so bad. Uh, yeah, uh, 70s Stevie Wonder Man is like where it's at. It's great stuff. It, it was. This was like this was really his creative peak. Mm. I, now I picked this. <clears throat> there is a tie into Daft Punk. Okay. Ooh. At the Grammy Awards, uh, Pharrell Williams goes on stage with Daft Punk. They bring in Nile Rodgers, and then mm. they all who work with Pharrell. And he worked on the Get Lucky song. And then they bring in Stevie Wonder, who had some tie-in, I believe, with this album as well. And they do this performance of Get Lucky, which absolutely brings the house down. You have the Beatles jamming in the in the, in the audience, right? McCartney and Ringo and Yoko are, are like on their feet with this song. They're into it. And in the middle of Def, in the middle of Get Lucky, they bridge into another star. Mm. And it is a seamless bridge. Like you would, you would not see it. They nail it, and it was a moment. It was one of those great Grammy moments when you get a Grammy performance. That was one of them. Uh and I think at that point everyone knew that uh, Get Lucky was going to win Record of the Year on top of that. So yeah, because then you bring in that type of star power at the end. But so, so this song, I believe, is a really great closing track to the album. I'm counting it as the closing track because I'm not counting that EP. But if you get the CD and you wonder why this is the fifth song from the end, that's the reason why. There was, that EP was merged onto it with the CD. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... Yeah, they do weird stuff when they do that. Yep. yep. No, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Love it. I love Stevie Wonder. Yeah, that, that song song in the key of life is, in my opinion, I think it's the best of the three albums. I mean, everyone has one of their favorites, mm-hmm. but I would say Song in the Key of Life Songs in the Key of Life is the one for me, that album. Great so many good tracks. It was a double album on top of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So no, imagine you have record. two imagine this again. This is why it's a shame I left this album off. You have two hit out al- you have two monster albums. And then you come out with a double album. I mean, how, how? Yeah. And this is the closing track off that. It's just, it's great. And I love that Latin, that Latin vibe. And it really kind of, yeah. really kind of resonates with me. Yeah. I got a, uh, which could be, I might have Madonna. We had the queen of opening tracks. Uh, I might have the uh, kings of closing tracks, last tracks. And that's Led I knew you pick. I knew you were going to pick this one or one other. So we got Led Zeppelin when the levee breaks. This is off of four. Now listen to these last tracks, right? Uh-huh. We got Zepp one with how many more times? Zeppelin two, bring it on home. House of the Holy has the ocean. Physical graffiti has sick again. Like that's pretty good. That's a good sort of lineup there. I think. I think now getting to your penultimate song. It's not the penultimate, I don't think, but it's pretty close. I think a lot of people think the closing song on four is Stairway to Heaven. It's not. It's actually But it's not. It is Levy it's when the Levy breaks. Yep. The um, uh which, the, yeah. yeah. That is the Hedley Grange inspired song. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um and it, it I mean it's it's um opening percussion and um guitar riff has been sampled tons of times. But I think people yeah. forget that it's the last track. 
but it really highlights that like bluesy rock that Zeppelin was into. Um, four really caps off this run of one, two, three, four, this like four album sort of arc that is like second to none, really. Yeah. Um, but I think this might be the strongest closing track of of those. Um, it's a very yeah. It, and Stairway to Heaven sick was again. A- sick again is is tough. I mean, that's a hard one. Yeah, that's a great. That's a hard one to not pick. But I went with Levy Breaks. Yeah, but uh, Stairway to Heaven was a closing track on the first side of the album. Yes, that but I think what, people think of it as the people think of track. it as yeah. People think of it as and it's not yeah. Uh can you talk about bookends? Black yeah, dog and when the levee breaks. Yeah, oh my goodness! Good. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. Good, pretty good. Yeah. No one. I mean, how many of that albums? How many of that sell? Like thirty-three million or something? Wasn't I it? think it's the best-selling album. Um, yeah, no. I think it's like thirty-three million. Um, something like that. Twenty says twenty-four times platinum in the. That's just the U.S. Pretty good. I think when you add everything else in, it's thirty-three million. Pretty good. Because yeah. uh, I just know it was close to Nevermind. Nevermind's like 30. Yeah, it's still pretty um, good, yeah. Pretty good. But yeah, so amazing closing track off a great record. Yep. Um. Oh, here we go. I knew you are going to have this artist in somewhere, somehow. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, of course I'm gonna have, but this I think this is the. I mean, he has a lot of good closing tracks too. He does has a lot of good closing yeah. tracks. But this one is the ultimate closing track. Uh, it's Billy Joel, "River of Dreams" is the album, oh, and dreams, I've seen this title of song used for many closing tracks. It is famous last words. <laughs> well, I mean, how can you go wrong? Closing track you get with that title. It was the final track of the final album for Billy Joel. And I'm just going to read the lyrics. This just sums it up. Sitting here in Avalon, looking at the pouring rain, the summertime has come and gone, and everybody's home again. Closing down for the season, I found the last of the souvenirs. I can still taste the wedding cake, and it's sweet after all these years. These are the last words I have to say. That's why it took so long to write. There will be other words some other day, but that's the story of my life. We never got those other words. Nope. That was it. And you listen, the the the, the song, Dave, is brilliant, okay? Mm. First of all, it's got a vibe. It's kind of got this vibe of like, but it's got this, the, he uses great metaphors in the lyrics of um, Avalon. Um, mm. At the end of the beach, Avalon's a big part of the beach season. People go down to Avalon Beach in New York, New Jersey. Uh, and he talks about the summertime's uh, come and gone and everyone's going home again, closing down the season. It is just... It is a masterpiece of a like of a closing track using those, and then the whole part about him saying "I'm done" and "I'm out of here," and he really stayed out of here. It's thirty years since this album came out. This is a '93 release. I I just think it's hard. How do you? To- I don't know how you top this one. Uh, no, it's tough, man. Uh, but you know he has had, like I said, he has had some really. I didn't list the closing tracks for Billy Joel. But uh, oh my goodness, he's had some, he's had oh, yeah. some monster ones. Um, I mean, I want to go. I'll pull up the uh, the stranger is a good example, right? Mm. He's got a song at the end of the stranger, um, which is called uh, "Everybody Has a Dream," right? It's just it's kind of again that 
hope that thing about hope at the end. Mm. It's just uh, mm. you know, and then on um 52nd Street, actually it's the title track is 52nd Street, which is the closing on that one. Title track as a closing is is a rare thing. I mean, you rare have, thing. yeah. We'll get to one, but it's rare that we have one. Yeah. yeah, we have one there. It's rare, but you know, that's uh sometimes yeah, they, you know, I think he liked the title on 52nd Street. But maybe the song wasn't it, but it was a good title for the album. So yeah, it, it's uh like I said, very um the only thing that Billy Joel did do after River Dunes, he did the classical album. Yeah. Okay, but, but that was yeah. yeah, but that was that was completely different. I mean, as you know, mm. those are like soliloquies and stuff like that. Mm. So um it's 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 uh and he wrote those compositions, but there's no words with it. Yeah. So, so I'll still say that River of Dreams was the closer and, and uh I always call the song Avalon, but it's famous last words. Um yes. close it out. I got one off of probably the best record ever made, Coop, in my opinion. Uh, and that is Marvin Gaye with okay. Inner City Blues. <laughs> Great pick. Well, this off is of gonna... uh what's going on. I mean, this album is considered one of the all time yeah, greatest albums, yeah. And it's crazy. Barry Gordy was like, "Don't make it, please." <laughs> it turned out to be amazing. This and album doesn't get the respect well. it does. This album doesn't get the respect it deserves. It doesn't. It and doesn't. It, I mean, I don't know what what it why. It's a, it's a I mean, I think, I think the critics have it, Rolling Stone obviously is all over this album, but yeah. I'm just thinking from the you know this this is just a legendary album here. I think the title track, like after you hear the title track, you just kind of forget about the rest of the album, to be honest. Yeah. I think most people do. But it's an amazing album from start to finish. It's a the reason Barry Gordy didn't like it or was afraid to do it was that it's a it's a strong social activist record. It's got themes of anti war, poverty, police brutality, race, and this fits right into that inner city blues. Fits right into that. Yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a perfect closing track. I agree. Yeah, but 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 at the time, Barry Gordy was afraid such a such a active such a social album wasn't going to sell. But it's Marvin Gaye, so what are you gonna what are you gonna do? So he's like, okay, and it ended up being like the highest selling Motown record of all time. Like it was, it just crushed. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, and it's just an amazing closing track that fits all the themes really well. Um, which is interesting because it's an album where he's talking about more global themes like war and stuff. But then he also goes goes back to home and domestic with inner city blues and looking at, well, there are these problems over there that we're fighting for. But what about like who's talking about what's going on at home? And he sort of brings it, centers it back uh, with this with this track. And it's a great closing track. Oh, I agree. It really it, it's one uh, perfect for this album, too. Now you have the fight for the power is up there with like one of the best closing tracks of all time, maybe like top five. This is definitely in the conversation of one of the best closing tracks of all time. Uh yes. Um and uh this was a title track, and I'll get to why I think this worked with this one. Um so uh this was from um the Battle of the Bands winner for 80s. Album Archaeology. Oh, yep. An album Archaeology by Princess Purple Rain. Mm. Uh, the track is Purple Rain. Mm. Um, 
And I'll just kind of I'll, first I'll just quote what Matt Ty, who was on that show, would have said. How about that cigar? Thing? How about that cigar? Yep, greatest pop ballad of all time, and second place isn't even close. Uh, Matt said that on our show, and it's it's hard to argue that. Now, why did this work as a why did Purple Rain become so popular as the nice track on the CD? The, 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 I have a theory with this. Okay, this you gotta remember that again. We were still in the era of demos, right? Demo records, and when Doves Cry gets this airplay, oh, let's go crazy. He's using the trailer for Purple Rain, mm-hmm. so it kind of gets a boast with that people go see the movie mm. they and it, you know that's that's the closing scene this is the grand finale they've heard this song the, the radio people have heard this song you know they've seen mm. so this was the third single released at this point mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. why i think it worked with this case is because it was the third single and by this point people because the single the movie came out like i think in july and i want to say Purple Rain got released in the fall as the third single. Okay. Um. So I think, and I think it, you know, obviously it made sense to to put this as the final track just from the whole vibe of it, the sound. Yeah. Matt does a great job of breaking down the the musicianship of this. I mean, he if you go back to that show, he's going to talk yeah. about uh the chords used in here. I mean, he is just going to break this thing. He's all down. over it. Yeah, he's all over this thing, right? Um, You know, I think there was even a point where the chords, he said he found that the chords, like, he found out that, um, and I didn't notice, I remember he said that the chord structure was similar to Journey's song, Faithfully. He called, Prince calls Jonathan Cain, right, to get his mm. blessing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Jonathan Cain gave the blessing, because Neil Sean wouldn't have done that, I'll tell you that. But I think it was Jonathan <laughs> Cain's work, right? So... Again, this is just it's an I had to it had to be included in this oh, it had list. to be. If you didn't include it, I'm gonna include it. It had to be on this list here. I so, left it uh knowing you'd include it. No, um, no, I, you took a couple of good ones, so I said I think he's leaving this one yes, for me. Right. So. You gotta leave it. So, it. Yeah. For me, Coop, it's such a great closing song because it caps off a, and I know it's a soundtrack record, but looking at it as just a record, it cop, caps off a record that has such a, an emotional journey on it like it's you know that you get to the end and you have this ballad and it's just sort of this like culmination of this like emotional journey you've gone on with the record in such a perfect way and just such a very like a, a like a release like a it just the, just the chorus of it everything it's just sort of like this 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 great culmination of the record and it's just brilliant um, rare, you know, the rare title track at the end. Um, oh, it's so good. I mean, that record's so good. So here's my question. Yeah. Dolly is going to cover this song. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Don't say you that. I, we don't know. I'm not saying it's going to You can't cover the song. You can't cover it. She didn't put it as the last track. It. Can't do it. You can't do it. Let's give her a shot. I'm gonna give her a shot. I, I'll tell you, I have seen, I have seen this song covered. Shouldn't um, be covered. No, it can be covered, it, but but it's not gonna be. As, I agree, it's not gonna be as good. But why not pay homage to this song? I mean, let's see. Look, I think we have to see what what it's gonna come out to be. Um, but um, I have seen this covered um a few times. Again, no one's topping the Prince one. Um, I mean, you're setting you're setting yourself up for failure. 
I'm gonna give you one. <laughs> I'm gonna give song. you. I'm gonna give you one band that did it. Well, yeah, Government Mule Warren Haynes. He did a very good job with it. Yeah, that's probably the best version I've heard. And it's not. And again, I'm not. It's not topping the Prince version. And it's no. It's not close, but it's very good. Is what I'm gonna say. Oh, yeah. so good. I mean, I don't know if Dolly could have did When Doves Cry. No. There's certain songs that should never I, be covered. I, I have this bad ever. feeling, though, about how she's going to cover this. It's not going to be good. I think That's it's my be, feeling. I think it's going to be a slowed-down rock ballad is how she's going to do it. You, I don't know how you do it and not. You could make it serviceable. Yes. But I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, there's just this group songs that should not be covered. It's this one. It's a uh, big L taxi. I'm talking to you, Counting Crows. That was a disaster. You know who did a good cover of, of Big Yellow Taxi? You're gonna and you should listen. Not to Counting Amy, Crows. Amy Grant. Maybe she did a decent job. Again, not as I good can as, see that. Not as good as the original. Her cover is decent. It's 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 it's. I can see that. Again, it's 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 serviceable. That's what I, I can use. see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy Grant did a nice job on that one. Um. My last one, mainly. This is a I want little to surprise one out of the box. This one, yeah. Out of the box, I want to put something interesting in. Just something interesting to talk about. And I put Tom Waits closing time off of Old Fifty Five, which Old Fifty Five is an incredible record. Yeah. You gotta listen to that record yep. if you haven't. I and I've listened to it and I like this pick, by the way. I found it interesting. Um in this well, closing time, I mean, just as a title for a last track is just, you know, perfect. Um, but I think it's a pretty bold choice. It is uh, instrumental, but it suits the record in that the record kind of has, like with a lot of Tom Waits records, right? It has this like, you know, like closing time, like you're, you're listening to some musician like in the smoky bar, you know, like Piano Man sort of thing. Like you're listening to this artist in the smoky bar just like pouring his life out on stage but now it's closing time P things are wrapping up it's time to go you have this instrumental really well arranged song great vibe you have this vibe of like the night's winding down it's closing up it's time to go home or whatever and you've had this great night listening to this guy at the at the bar yep you know you're opening up the door to the smoke-filled room and it's just closing so like it's coming to an end and uh, and that's why I have it. It's like the whole album has this sort of from the cover to everything has this sort of like singer songwriter at the keyboard smoking cigarettes in this bar and just sort of like pouring his life out. And in this like like closing time is the instrumental. It's like this good wrap up sort of like, you know, we've come to the end of this of this sort of time together and now it's time to go. And And that's why I sort of like it. Plus, like I said, it's a very bold choice in a record that has vocals on it to, to put an instrumental at the end is quite bold. I yeah. Think. I, I, uh, I actually think an instrumental works really well, uh, as a closing track. Um, I have no, I said, I have no problems with, uh, instrumentals being, uh, you know, I, I mean, I picked the Daft Punk one, but it could definitely yeah. work. Yeah. Just, it's just, a, like I said, it's just, a, it's a, it's a bold choice. Yeah. Um, but I think it works with the with the the concept of the yeah. record, which is when we get into these discussions about like this was a record constructed as a record as opposed to like 
CDs or something where they're just throwing stuff on. Like this was constructed. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of you, when we talk about construction, we're talking about the sides of the LP and mm. um yeah. Like this can't go anywhere else on the record, I don't think. I'm not big, you know, we we I'll save it for my closing thoughts that comment. I'm not, Ooh. I'm going to say that for, it's more of a closing thought comment than Ooh, let's get yeah. into it then. Closing thoughts. Let's go. Okay. All right. When you have last tracks, like these 20 tracks, 22 tracks we did, all great last tracks, mm. there's no need for a shuffle button on your CD player. No, no, no. That's what I was going to say. There's no need for a shuffle button on a CD player. It, this is something, uh, album construction is such a big thing. I want to do second songs next because I think there's also something with a second song. Maybe the penultimate songs. Penultimate may be a little tougher to do because... It's gotten too bastardized, but yeah, the art of the the art of um, album construction. The hope we have is the return. The LP is maybe the one glimmer of hope we have. The return of LPs that maybe there's a little more attention being paid for, but it's. I don't think it's. It hasn't happened as fast as I like. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there is no need for a shuffle button on this. No. Uh, take this playlist. You could you could shuffle the playlist. Is what I'll tell you. Yeah. You can shuffle the playlist and you'll but get not these records. Right, right. I'm just saying the not the whole yeah, not each yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the the one we put together for this show, you could shuffle that. Shuffle it yeah. that way. Although purple orange should still be the last one, but I'll I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll give a pass on that. You know, because again, whichever one falls as the last track, you are you're gonna have no disappointment here, is what I'm telling you. No. I mean, and I my thoughts I said that I could have had more modern ones and for example like taylor swift closes evermore with yeah. the title track with bon Iver, which is a great close to that record and it definitely put in a specific place um i think some modern artists are doing it i think it's more your bigger artists like i think beyonce sort of did it on beyonce her her title record right um, from a cup from a five years ago or so taylor swift does it um, I think the national does it with some of their records and especially their new one coming out. Yeah. Um, I think some artists do it, but I think it's more rare now. Yeah. Um, because you have artists that just want a couple big hits and they just fill out the rest of the record, you know? Um, yeah. like it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, I went to arcade fire and I was mm. like, well, let me check out the suburbs. And yeah. they kind of used the penult. They went the penultimate way with that, kind of putting yeah. the the more of a closure, and then they kind of had this what I call that soft landing after that. So, but yeah, I couldn't. I had trouble with. The, that's why I ended up going to the Daft Punk one, which I thought was like a really yeah. good example of something in the last ten years. Yeah. Um, but you know, like albums like Harry's House don't have that. No, Billy no, Eilish's house does not yeah. have that. Yeah, does not have this. I mean, Harry's house is basically just a collection of singles, if I'm going to be honest. Like, they don't really connect to each other all that That's well. why I had a problem with that winning album of the year. The yeah. single, there were a couple I, good singles, but yeah, it wasn't the album of the year. The, the, his, title, his title record might, I mean, I have to look at that album again, but they had a definite, like, theme. I'd have to go back and look at that one, too, yeah. I mean, I think you need an album with a theme. Yeah. Right? I mean, the problem now is a lot of albums are just a bunch of singles and then filler, to be honest. The, yeah, so if the album doesn't have a theme, the next thing you gotta look at is it does have the vibe. Does the last track yeah. have the vibe? And we, yeah. I think we yeah. had each of us had a couple of examples with that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Speaking of new music, let's get into new music. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention again, Cigar Hustler. 
uh, located in Deltona, Florida. They have a great selection of cigars, whether you're looking for boutique, tried and true brands, uh, everything from Roma Craft to Perdomo mm-hmm. to Fuente uh, to their own brand, Postani, mm-hmm. um, which I'll mention next week. Because uh, I'll, I'll mention this right now, right? Yes, because I got beat up on this, right? Coop's just in the hey. I gotta yeah. say, in the morning, Coop, he's yeah. just spilling all the tea in the morning. Right. I'm telling so you. So I got beat up because I didn't yeah. because they put out press release for the new Postani cigars, the Corona Gordas and Habano and the yeah. Broadleaf, right? Here it is. And um, I think it's first of all, I'm really looking forward to those sizes, right? Because mm-hmm. um, yep. because because why? I like Corona Gorda, right? So um, that's good. But they are also um, here we go. They are also kidding. <laughs> No, I'm not going to beat them up, okay? They're, but I'm also they're also doing an event, okay, to launch the cigar, right? Now, uh, yes, was, yeah. I now that. I did put the event in there, okay? Um, mm-hmm. that uh they are going to be launching their cigars at Hogshead Cigar Lounge later mm-hmm. this week on May 19th in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Normally, I don't put events yeah. things in there, okay? I did put yeah. that in there. What I didn't nice. put in there, and and I know I think this is what they're beating me up on, right? According yeah, to what yeah. I heard. I didn't put that they're doing a live broadcast of a Cigar Hustlers podcast. Oh, are they? Okay. There. So I, I typically don't do that, guys. I just typically I, I focus more on the cigar. It wasn't left to be the, the screw you guys. So I'm, I'm saying it here on the show that a Cigar Hustlers podcast will be broadcasting live. They they are proclaiming to be the number one cigar podcast. So I'm, I'm going to yeah, check that. out the number one cigar podcast. Yep. And, you know, and you could check out their show after you check out Cigar Authority. Oh, did I say? Oh, 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 I knew it was coming. <laughs> no. OK. But no, seriously, go. Who puts it all out in the morning, man? Right. But go check out uh, because they do. They have, the you know, in addition to owning Cigar Hustler, uh, they have. They have um, Hustle Universal podcast. Oh, they, they have the Escobar podcast. Everything. They have the Postani brand. So, I mean, um, yeah. check that out. This is the podcasts be... are everywhere. I think I heard their podcast on my toaster. Like it's just everywhere. <laughs> right. They're everywhere. Hustle Universe is everywhere. Um, yeah. And here's the thing that that I gotta really give them credit for. They are launching this at another retailer before are, launching yeah. it at their own store, guys. So he does that, and that's he... a great thing he does. Yeah. They they do that. They like it's, especially with the cigar. They make sure too that all the brick and mortars have it before they put it online as well. Yeah, yeah. they so, they take care of their uh, people. They, that way. they do. They really do. Um. So mm-hmm. and I, and look, that's why I did. Normally, I don't even put a retail event in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just it's not it's it doesn't fit in with the mantra I do on Coop. It's more about the product. But I thought in this case it was important to put that in there because I think that is part of the story. That they're doing that, um, so it's, mm. and and the fact that they're telling you to go support another retailer is a is a really good thing, um, mm. and uh, I think at some point they'll have it in the store, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. get on their mailing list, uh, check out their social media feed for that, and I'm sure you can find out. But if you want to get in on these uh, on the 19th, go in and to Hogshead Cigar Lounge, call them or whatever. And get these cigars. I think they're gonna be great cigars there. So, oh yeah, I, I can understand them being maybe a little. But I did put the event in there. But I'm giving them the podcast plug here too. So yeah, it wasn't <laughs> done on purpose. We give guys. Them too many plugs. Come on. We give them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, like I said it wasn't done on purpose. It's just, like I said, typically I don't even do the event. But I think in this case, I did put the event in for that reason. I mean, their their podcast is so popular that it's even on another podcast. I mean, this is where you know we're talking more about them than we did about last tracks. For God's sakes. 
we'll talk about more about their we'll talk more about their their podcast than I did on the primetime show where we just had Jason Wood from Miami Cigar. We had you know we we haven't mentioned all the other podcasts that we did on Coop. So you guys got your do here. Well, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's why they were upset at me on that yeah. um, because I talked to some of uh, the other media guys. I'm like, what the Ooh. fuck are they pissed at me about? Like, and I Ooh. think that was the part I left out. So because I don't think I left anything else out on that. So, but that probably, hey man. Like I said, it wasn't done on purpose. I typically don't do that, but I put part of it in because, again, they're supporting another retailer, and that's important. Well, there you go. Uh, they got a, Their website has uh, been redone as well, so there's a new look. Oh, I haven't checked that, really. Check it out. New look. They needed a new look. That looks like new look. Freshened up. Look, I wrote it, guys. Well, Freshened up. I'm pulling it up right now. Look at this little gate control. This is got good job on this website, guys. New look. New oh, look. it's beautiful. Check out the new cigarhustler.com website. Good job. New really look. good job on that. Yeah. Um yeah. I got patinas there too. I just saw it. I gotta order some. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, Coop's gonna be ordering when we're done that. Yeah, I'm gonna set. put an order um, in with you guys on top of that. So side A. Side A. Uh, of course, we talked about it before. It's Dolly Parton, World on Fire. Yep. Uh, I got a review up. Um, we talked about it, so I won't go into much more of it other than the the bridge is the best thing that she's sung in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, Arlo Parks, who we've talked about before, has a track out waitlist. She has a handful of singles out uh, coming ahead of her new record, or their new record, I should say. They have a bunch of singles out. Um, amazing vocals. It's a bit different than their first record uh, in that this is kind of more of a modern pop turn for Arlo Parks as opposed to the previous record, which is a bit more jazzy. So uh, I think it'll be interesting. It's a great song um, written really well. There's a review of this on the site as well. And before we get into the other stuff, uh, check on the cigars. How's your how's your late hour? Oh, uh, my burn got a little wonky, but that's just from talking. Uh, it is a great cigar. There's a, there's a unique sweetness that's imparted, I think, from the barrel aging. Uh, but it's not Ooh. a liqueur taste. But it's kind of like this sweetness. It's a, it's a, it's not a woody taste. It, it, it's almost it's slightly maybe citric, but mm. um, you know, it's just it's layered on top of that classic Davidoff profile. You know, some of the I love the, that profile. Some of those uh, hay notes. There's, a, there's a, a, some touches of black pepper. Um, Bear is right. These cigars age fantastic. This one's got to be okay. at least three or four years old. I have in, in the wow, right? So, okay. uh, when I because I remember when I bought these Toros, um, fantastic cigar. Uh, again, if you you know it's past midnight where you are now, it's very late. This would be a great it cigar is. for you to smoke this time, but you're probably gonna get to sleep after this. So, oh, who knows? When I man. get more, I'm gonna get more of these. So, uh, when I get more, I'll share some. Yeah. I'm a night owl, my friend. Yeah. Um, no, to let people know, it is twelve twenty-one a.m. here. I feel like I just came home from a concert. This is great. Um, this is the latest. This is the latest time I think for any of us recording a jukebox on primetime jukebox. I mean, again, the old cigar jukebox is some epic like four a.m. shows that Dave has done. I love this. I could yeah. do this all the time. I love yeah. it. Um, yeah, like I said, if I don't went off KMA on Saturday, we could probably do it. But I'll start earlier if it. you want it sometime. So. Love it. We can start earlier um, if you need to, yeah. My 55, 
Uh, I'm about this far. I got a bit more left. Yep. Smokes really well. It's got this richness and sweetness to it. I really like it. It's a bit chewier than the other one. Um, I like it. I mean, I probably, in thinking of it, uh, I mean, I might like it. I might like it more than Maduro. I like the Maduro more than the Habano. Um, I haven't had the Connecticut. I haven't had the Chef's one, but it's quite mm -hmm. good. I really like it. So which one did you like the best of the blends? The Maduro? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if maybe if the travel may have done something with it, but because I think, but the Maduro is my second favorite. So yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm just wondering if the cigar may be traveling. It was because it's mm. been sitting for months, but you never know. I mean, that's, that's a fair assessment though. It's good. Yeah. Um, you got a bonus track in here, Coop. Snuck one I got to talk here. about this one. Yeah. This talk is, about it. So, um, this is by the cover band. I've talked about them on a previous show, the Hindley Street Country Club. They're known as yes. H, H, uh, SCC. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, this is not on Spotify. I found it. But let me tell you, I had to pick this for a lot of reasons. Okay. Um, they do a cover of Michael Jackson's Human Nature. Um, oh, great song. Human Nature, in my opinion, is a Mount Rushmore song of Michael Jackson for me. Mm -hmm. I, I love the whole song. I love the message of the song. It's, you know, it's it's a, it's kind of got this comforting level. And they do what I like. What HSCC did is they did a this song sung from the female perspective. Okay. Uh, the vocalist is Cat Jade. If you haven't heard Cat Jade, she's the absolute star of this band. Okay. Her voice is incredible. She's a very beautiful to listen to uh her 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 uh her harmonies but this is an interesting song dave why i also picked it because human nature was actually really a, a song that michael jackson collaborated with toto on and several members right. of toto play the play the instruments on here and i've always talked about toto being the greatest session band of all time and that's what HSCC is. They're really a bunch of session musicians. They bring in certain musicians for certain songs that work the best. And I thought it was an interesting way they, that this song was being covered by a cover band that kind of operates as a bunch of session musicians to the Michael Jackson version. And on top of it, it's a female perspective. And I just thought the version was 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 uh, they knocked it out of the park with it. So I had to put it in there because I've been listening to this all week, this song. I, I just this has been on overdrive all week for me, so I'll put the mm. uh, YouTube link in though because you're gonna want to check this out. Mm, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, album archaeology. We talked about Arlo Parks. Check out their first record or their previous record, Collapsed in Sunbeams. Um, some tracks or a track on that went on the top fifty of that year. Um, a very rich, jazzy, warm record. Great, thought provoking. Great listen. So check out yeah. if you. Interested in Arlo Parks, check out their first record, Collapse in Sunbeams. Yep. Good job. Good job. That's Definitely it, check man. that out. Yep. That's it. So these are the last words we'll have to say for this show. <laughs> uh, as we close the final track here. Um, we're gonna call this best last tracks because we don't want people to think these are the last this is not the end. So <laughs> Yeah, they got weren't they worried about the the um the beginning, the, end, uh, the, I, the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Yeah. There was there was I think two people who said something to me, but but yeah, yeah. Uh -oh. yeah, yeah, but no. that was it. That was it. Um, but it was before we did the show. In fairness, too. Yeah. Because I didn't really have oh, a yeah. description out there. I saw there the title, and they were like, "Uh oh." 
Yeah, so no, we uh we're gonna be heading to ninety eight. We have show hundred coming up pretty soon too, so I have an idea for that. But uh, but yeah, stay tuned to our social media. We'll announce the next show uh on this. Dave, thanks again for your flexibility uh as well. I know we wanted to really get a show in, and I'm glad we were able to do it. Um, but that's gonna wrap up primetime Duke episode ninety seven into the annals of history for this mid May. Belated happy Mother's Day to everyone who's listening to this by the time. Yeah, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Yep. And we'll catch everybody uh, next time. Take care, everybody.